Welcome to the Metalist, where we discuss our top five personal favorites. Yeah. Is that what you want to call it? We can all things metal, all things distorted guitars. If you dig it, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud. Don't forget, rate and review, like and subscribe, give us a follow, maybe give us a share. Now, you know what time it is? What time is it? I'm ready for some fucking God Hammered. And now your hosts, David Delo Lopez and Jason Smith. This is the Metalist. Hello, thanks again for joining us whenever you're listening to this, wherever you're listening to this. Steve Perry. Steve Perry. It's the Metalist. Steve Perry. Steve Perry. I'm Dave, not Steve Perry. And it should have been gone. I'm Jason. And he's not Steve Perry. Sorry, I just love the movie Basketball. Okay, that came up. I was trying to psych you out, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We gotta say totally fucked up shit to get the other player to miss. Squeak! I haven't watched that in at least 20 oh, years, man. I fucking love it, dude. We're going to get into some cultural, pop cultural <laughs> penetration stuff here in a while, dude. Because, like, just just don't stop believing alone. It's its own fucking thing, right? Dude. Um, San Francisco's own. Yeah. So, when we told a lot of people, when we told some friends we were doing this, they were like, really? You're a metal podcast? And I'm just like, okay, we should probably expand upon this now. We say in the intro... We're all things distorted guitars. Metal is what we mostly focus on. But yeah, we, we know it's, it's all over the rock spectrum as long as there's a decently distorted guitar. We could go all the way back to Link Ray for all I care about. And I could do a Link Ray episode. There's some great shit in there. But we want to expand the horizons a little bit. and so We don't want to leave out the rockers. Yeah, man. And like, what better way to kick that particular door down than with fucking Journey? Fuck yeah. The Hit Factory. Mm. Golden Gate Rhythm Section. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> which uh, was the original name. Which is that right? It sounds all right, but it's a lot to say. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> and I think there's already. I think at the time, I don't know what year that was. Uh, let's see, was that 1973? So there was already that Atlanta Atlanta rhythm section. Who's that? They have that song that fucking. I am so into you. Oh my god! Maybe if I heard it, I don't know. I'd have to play it for you. Anyway. That's what they were, or Atlanta Rhythm Section or Atlantic Rhythm Section or something. So, I mean, I guess it would kind of be copping that. But, like, I guess one of their fucking texts or something was just, like, they were thinking about changing the name. And he was like, How about? <laughs> I guess it was so much simpler, you know, in the 70s, 60s, 70s, yeah, 50s. Yeah, man, Turner like, Overdrive. Let's call us, you, should, you guys should just call it Journey. Yeah, well, I was You guys saying, are on a journey. Yeah. Let's just call it Journey. Yeah, yeah let's call it Journey. Like, it, you can't just do that now because literally everything's taken. Was, yeah, you, they had a lot more to choose from back then. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's not like now where you can go on Spotify and Bandcamp and fucking even MySpace and just be like, okay, make sure this band didn't have this name already. Well, now also, too, it's, it's it. not like, you, I mean, back then it was like, yeah, we call ourselves Journey. And it was it's, there was probably not a whole lot of thought into, does the band name sound like what we're doing? Right, yeah. Where nowadays, I mean, that's kind of a big deal. You know, like yeah. your your name, 
to some degree, should reflect or at least give some type of a inkling of what it is you're doing musically. So yeah, we were just talking about that this band Cabal, and I was just like, well, that could go a lot of different ways, and their image or their imagery kind of misled me into thinking they were something else. Um, journey, I mean, they especially if you look at those first three records, that those records are kind of a journey of sorts. They definitely changed their sound quite a bit from beginning to end. Uh, and I miscounted when we were looking at all the albums. I thought there was 14. There's 15. But one of them, that one, that other one is kind of weird, and we'll get into that later. Huge differences, dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, they started off as almost like a fucking jazz. Well, okay, super jazzy. Now, mm-hmm. jazzy. <laughs> jazzy Jeff? <laughs> Got 99 problems from jazzy. <laughs> uh, no, they were, yeah, they were, they were really fucking jazzy. But, I mean, I remember... Even back in the day. So, okay, I just got to say, man, this episode goes out to my two older sisters, Felicia and Angie. Two biggest Journey fans I've ever met. But, I mean, we were from around the Bay Area, and it was the 70s and early 80s, and this band was huge. I had a fucking Neil Sean autographed poster on my wall for years. This was some of the stuff that I listened to. Prior to even getting into fucking, re- like, actual, like, fucking hair metal. I mean, it was, like, ACDC and Kiss. You know, but, I mean, prior to that, it was a lot of fucking Journey, you know. And I, I remember, you know, like, a few years later when I was getting into it even more. And I was getting into more fucking hair metal and whatnot. And I was getting all the magazines and shit. Like, I had seen, like, Neil Sean used to play with Santana. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, I yeah, didn't know yeah. that. And then, you know, then years later after that, I, f- I found out that... um when I started getting like a lot of instrumental stuff, you know, I found out that Steve Smith was like this massive like fucking jazz drummer, you know, and he was the drummer for fucking Journey forever. Like, and you can, and now I mean, going back and listen to this, I mean, I've heard, I don't think you know, like, even though my sisters were fucking huge Journey fans, I don't think they would, they, I don't think they were like Journey heads. You know what I mean? Where they know everything about them. They know every fucking song. They're probably just, you know, more along the lines of like the bigger hit type songs. Most definitely. Um, but they just really love those. You know what I mean? So I don't recall ever hearing like a lot of like the really old shit, like just around the house or whatever. Right. It, I mean, that wasn't until like years later, you know, when I went back and listened to all these old uh, fucking journey albums, you know, just people I knew that had the older albums, it's and even then, it really, it really surprised me when I went back and listened to some of the old journey stuff. I was just like, wow, dude, like this is totally fucking different. And I mean, for the longest time, like, and maybe some people don't know now, like, you know, Steve Perry wasn't always the fucking singer, mm-hmm. and also Arnell Pineda isn't the replacement for Steve Perry. He's actually the replacement for another guy. Steve Augury? Augury, yeah. Augury, yeah. I like your way better. Um, Yeah, so, and that was something I didn't know because, I mean, like, fuck, man. I mean, once fucking raised on radio, it basically when Steve Perry left the band and did his solo thing, and they had that huge fucking song, which I just said, you know, Oh, Sherry. I loved that song, but it was basically a Journey song. Yeah. You know, he's just one of those singers. Like, you hear Steve Perry, it's just, it's just Journey. You know what I mean? So here's a question I was going to pose to you. We'll get to that in a minute. But this this band has been, like, fucking part. Like, that's one reason why I brought up Journey. For I was like, you know, I want to do something a little bit different. And one reason why I brought it up was because this band has been in my fucking life and in my family for a long fucking time, dude. 
A long time. To the point where it's like even... I mean, I have a fucking video on my phone. I mean, it's it's. I'm not videotaping my son and his friends, but I just have my video in my front seat of my car. They're in the back seat of my car, and I just wanted the audio from it. And I think we were. I can't remember where we were going, but I mean, I just turned on "Don't Stop Believing," and like they were fucking singing every fucking word, mm-hmm. like at the top of their lungs. E- even they know it. Like everybody fucking knows this shit. Like, um, I don't know if the episode came out. But so I'll, I'll, I'll tell the fucking Uber story again. So I'm driving for fucking Uber and I'm down in Gaslamp in San Diego, this little area right downtown where there's pretty much fucking like a hundred bars within walking distance. Yeah. Like it gets fucking crazy. Most definitely. So they turn on these big floodlights at the end of the night. They're at two in the morning, man. Floodlights come on all over. They're basically kicking everybody out and it's fucking Uber fucking central, dude. Like. And I'm down there waiting for my ride. It's a huge fucking surge. It's money fucking time. I pick up these three fucking cholos, for lack of a better term, I guess. I mean, they were just loked out fucking Mexican dudes. Like, old school, like, 90s fucking loked out. Like, fucking, you know, the fucking Pendletons and the fucking Chinos and the fucking, I mean, everything. And they fucking get in my car. And, I mean, there was an altercation either earlier that night or it just happened. One of the two. But, like, and I was listening to, so I don't remember the song, but I was listening to the game. So, for anybody who doesn't know what that is, gangster rap. So, they're in my car. We, you know, we finally fucking are able to pull out because there's fucking cars everywhere. And, we, I mean, we're not, we can't drive very fast. So, I mean, we're just kind of fucking <laughs> creeping along. Yeah. And these fucking dudes are just, like, out the fucking window making fucking gun gestures with their fucking hands. And, I'll fuck you up, S.A. Boom, and they're just fucking, boom, and they're yelling at fucking people. I'm like, fuck, dude, these guys are going to get me fucked up. As you're trying to creep right? away, yeah. Yeah, so I'm just like, Jesus, I need to chill these dudes out. And, mm-hmm. and like, uh, I just remember a fucking story of a friend of mine. Who was a bouncer at a bar in fucking Pocatello, Idaho, and they had an altercation. It was something like their fucking DJ was playing like "Throw Your Set in the Air" by Cypress Hill. Nice. Little known fact: Idaho for a little while there had fucking you know they had gangs too. Like everybody fucking did, man. And mm-hmm. and there was these two rival fucking gangs like in the fucking house, and they're starting to throw signs at each other. My buddy's a bouncer, and he's like, "Uh, <laughs> we're about to have a situation going down." So. He goes to the DJ, and he's like, hey, man, you need to quit playing this shit, dude. Like, fucking play something else. DJ plays if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Everybody fucking chills out and immediately. And, 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 like, everybody that was there to start shit just splits. They're like, fuck this. This is stupid. Now you're left with the people who are just there to dance. Problem solved, right? So I don't have that song on my fucking Spotify, obviously. Maybe I should have for Uber. I don't know. Emergency fucking (laughs) go to emergency playlist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So I threw on "Don't Stop Believing," and these fucking guys, in the thickest of accents. I mean, they just start singing every word within five, within four or five lines. These guys are singing every word, and I'm just like, I should be, I should fucking be recording this right now, and I, I just couldn't. And then I fucking dropped them off, and I asked them, I'm like, Yo, dude, like, how do you guys know that song? You know, and they all of them, you know, Sopranos. Yeah, yeah. And okay. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah dude, yeah. fuck. Like, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Like, it's the last thing you hear in probably the first huge fucking of this, like, comeback of TV series. Mm-hmm. And, and it's the last, it's literally the last thing you fucking hear. Yep. You know, and I was just like, wow. Like, I wonder what the numbers looked like for that song. After, right after Prior that? to Sopranos and right after Sopranos. Like the iTunes at the time? I don't remember been. it being that huge when I was younger. 
People liked it, but I don't remember it being that big. It's like Bohemian Rhapsody. Like, that was another one that got really big from a movie. There's lots of... It happens a lot. A movie comes out, plays a fucking song, and that song gets huge. Like, bigger than it fucking ever was before. So, and don't stop believing. I just... I'm curious. Because I know it charted pretty well. Um, I think it was one of their bigger fucking... I, I think it was one of their highest charting songs. But surprisingly enough, as popular as they are, and as fucking... As, as loved as they are, they were never like a number one hit kind of band. But also, guess what? They had a lot of guitars on their stuff. Unlike a lot of bands then, well, like a lot of bands then, they had a lot of guitars in their stuff. But at the time, like this is what I consider, you know, these guys in like maybe like Foreigner and like Sticks, that's what I consider hard rock. I could buy that for sure. You know, Men at Work and fucking... You know, Huey Lewis and the News and, and the Cars, like that's rock, rock, mm -hmm. right? There's not a lot of distortion on their guitars, even though there is. There's not a lot. Yeah. But, and these guys had a little bit of a harder edge. On some songs, they have a lot of mellow tunes, dude. You know, which again, that's probably, you know, that's the stuff that maybe got them a little bit popular. But like, I was really surprised when I looked to see like, well, where were these guys charting back then? And they never really hit. The huge numbers, but they were always on Casey Kasem's top forty. They were all over that. They were, they were, as far as chart wise goes. I guess they were never great, but they were always really fucking good. Well, I'm looking at the trajectory right now. When they were in their prog years in the early days, their early days, but it was the mid to late seventies. They oh, yeah. charted in the between the one thirty eight to eighty five, and I'm like, that's. Good, I guess, but like again, you didn't have a lot of choices back then to where like getting on the 200 in general now is just yeah. a feat in its own. Yeah. But like, you know, back then that probably didn't count for shit. But by the time you get to Escape, which is you know the album, they're at number one, and then it kind of goes from here and there. The last couple albums actually charted in the top 20, so that's interesting. Uh, the actual song "Don't Stop Believing" doesn't look like it charted very high at first, but I mean that's how you got to lead in with an album, right? You got to put out the single first, and then. Hopefully build up the buzz for when the album comes out and it worked because it went to number one. Uh, but it does say, and I wish I had numbers, but... Did it go to number one? The album did. Oh, the album. I thought yeah, it not the, was, not yeah, the I single. I don't think yeah. the song did, man. Like, no, no, no. But it does say that after Sopranos, uh, the sales for that song skyrocketed and that's what got them to go back or get back together and find Arnell. So, right, right. Yeah, I mean, shit. it was... It, again, like growing up, listening to them, like they were just one of those ones that's like everybody knew who they were. Everybody fucking liked them. I met very few people, you know, that love Journey. You know, like speaking of top fives, I know very few people that could would actually say like, you know, Journey is in their top five favorite bands. But there's probably like I probably have met hundreds of people who love Journey. Mm -hmm. You know, myself included. I mean, they're not in my favorite fucking bands, but I fucking love this band, dude. Yeah. Like. So another thing I, I, I kind of thought was pretty interesting was like, there's another song that was from a movie. And I remember the song from when I was a kid, but I kind of forgot about it because you just didn't hear it. You know, you just didn't hear it a whole lot. It doesn't get played. It didn't at the time get played on the radio a whole lot. I mean, not when it was out. I guess I just found out today that it was an actual release as a single. Uh -huh. and, and again, I heard it when I was younger, but then it just it was one of those ones where it just kind of disappears. You know what I mean? Like, even though it was a single, and maybe it didn't do as well, so, like, the classic rock stations didn't play it as much, but at the end of Joe Dirt, 
Are you familiar with it? Is it, um... Fuck. The first song off of... Ooh, anytime oh, that you no. want me. Okay, all right. That's what, what fucking Dennis Miller plays at the end when he he does his little sign-off on his radio show, and yeah, he's like, this yeah. one's going out to Joe Dirt, you know, fucking yeah. blah, 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 walk into the sunset. Yeah. And it plays that song. And that... When I saw that movie, it just reminded me of that song. I was like, oh, fuck, I totally forgot about that song. So I went to my MP3s, and I looked, and it was really weird. They had one of those slash things. Mm-hmm. So there's Feeling This Way slash Anytime. Yeah. And I had to go into my wave editor and cut out Feeling This Way. Not that it's a bad song. It's just I only wanted to hear Anytime. Like, yeah. And now on Spotify, just so you know, it is two separate tracks, which is fucking great. But, I mean, it, Feeling This Way, fucking, dude, great song, too. Mm-hmm. So... That's another one that it's it's just really weird like that. I mean, especially stuff you grew up on, how much you really do kind of forget. I mean, it really kind of I always used to joke around when people like, you know, especially like, you know, the radio types would be like, you know, an old school song comes on and they're like, oh, shit, that's my jam. Like, yeah, like yeah. they just, you know, they haven't heard it in a long time. They totally forgot about it. That's what that is. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's, it's impossible to remember all the stuff, especially that we heard when we were young, you know, but yeah, you hear it. And even though you weren't actively listening to it when you were younger, it's still in your head. Yeah. And it sounds familiar. And you're like, yeah, dude, like I fucking like this one. Mm-hmm. So Neil Sean played with, uh, okay, the, Neil Sean real quick. Obviously, Steve Perry, we'll get to him. But Neil Sean, underrated guitar player. Can he be underrated if he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I don't know. I think there, there there's something to be said if it's not you don't feel like there's enough credit given though you know what I mean like, that's the thing. I mean I guess he does get a, more accolades fucking now yeah I don't know how much of that is nostalgia I don't know how much they go off of that for the for some of those accolades but for sure I always thought he was like this super underrated guitar player he's a fucking awesome like lead guitar player man like mm-hmm. he, he he can fucking have the little fucking show I mean he's not super fucking shreddy but he has the show off leads. But he also can play all that fucking super fucking jazzy shit. And he can also fucking play like the hard rock heavy metal type mm-hmm. stuff. Great fucking guitar tone, especially for back then. That yeah, no that's shit. one thing. Man, back then it was it was hard for guys to get like usually it was like the bigger bands had the better tone because they had more money to throw at it. Yeah. And it's like, okay, whatever. Like, but I mean also, I guess if you're playing in Santana. <laughs> you're gonna know a, a thing or two. You're gonna have an advantage. A over guy who's people. known for literally just known for his tone. I, mm-hmm. I guess it has to seep in somehow. And, and I just I've always thought that he was like a, a very under not very but he was an underrated guitar player. I mean, especially back then because right about the time Journey started to get bigger, Def Leppard fucking comes in. Yep. Motley Crue comes in. You know, fucking. Uh, Oh, Jesus. Can't even remember who the fuck I was just going to say. But Van Halen? Well, Van Halen was already around. But, yeah. I mean, I guess in 1984, so shortly after fucking, you know, Frontiers came out. I mean, 1984 mm-hmm. comes out. I mean, but Eddie Van Halen was always around. And he was kind of the one that was like, you know, he was probably part of the class that was outshadowing. Oh, overshadowing? Outshadowing. Shadowing out? The shadow knows. Making a bigger impression than than the more people were paying attention to Eddie Van Halen and Randy Rhodes was another one, Mm -hmm. you know. um, They're probably Neil Sean, you know. But I kind of feel the same. There's a lot of guitar players back then that a lot of people don't really think about. You know, the guys from Foreigner, the you know the The guys guys from from Kansas, Kansas, the guys from Night Ranger. Like no one knows who those dudes are. Like you know, and and 
Neil Sean is one of he's in that group. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that fucking name, and and it's kind of a fucking bummer because he's a fucking wonderful guitar player, man. Like, I just listened to it like the last couple weeks, like listening to it a lot. Like, fuck, man. There's so many songs that he doesn't. Just so many like what he's playing. It's just fucking butter, dude. Mm-hmm. You know, like oh, it's so fucking good. Absolutely. Also, they had a uh, so the. Speak at any time. When I went back and listened to it, I was like, because when it starts off, it's got the big vocal harmony, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think they get, I don't think, at least when I watched the movie, they, I didn't get into the verse, right? So then I listened to the verses, I'm like, whoa, dude, that's not Steve Perry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, again, as much as this band was around when I was younger, I don't remember there not being Steve Perry vocal journey. Oh, dude. Now, he's yeah. on the song. Yeah. He's just not the lead vocal on that particular song. But that did make me go back and listen to some of those other songs um, and a couple albums before that. And, you know, and and, I mean, at that point, I learned that, oh, wow, like he's, you know, it was this guy, Greg Rowley. Yeah. You know, who eventually left and was replaced by Jonathan Cain, who was in um, Bad English with uh, John Waite. Is it John Waite? I think it's John Waite and fucking Neil Sean. Oh yeah. Um, have you ever heard bad English? I know I you've heard. I know you've heard one song. I'm gonna play you something real quick, and okay. I know you've heard this fucking song. Hold on. I have a feeling that's gonna be the consensus for a lot of things <laughs> this episode. Oh yeah, dude, check this out. Familiar <laughs> for sure. I okay, so that. he joins. He started, you know, bad English. Him and Jonathan Cain start bad English with John Waite from the Babies, who is huge song called Missing You. I ain't missing you at all. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's okay, the guy, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So he's the singer of Bad English. It was kind of like yeah. this big super group or whatever. Okay. Right? So Jonathan Cain was the replacement for Greg Rowley, which, um, I, so it, it's, it's he's not just the vocalist, though. I mean, he was also the keyboard player. Almost everybody that Journey has had in their band, and it's been a lot of people, have all contributed vocally. Yeah. Most definitely. Even Dean Castronovo, who most a lot of people might know from fucking Ozzy, he played with fucking. Didn't he play with Corn too? Probably. They, they, <laughs> it's played, hard to tell who's. He in played with a ton of fucking like metal acts and stuff. Yeah. Uh, he's the he's a drummer. Um, then there was this guy Ainsley Dunbar, who I always knew as I, I know he did some keyboard stuff with. Uh, oh fuck, White Snake. Mm. Was it keyboards? What well, says? No, dude, he's a drummer. A drummer, yeah. I knew the stuff he did with White Snake and Jefferson Starship, but I mean, if you look at this guy's list, I mean, it's like Michael Shanker, Jakey e. Lee, fucking David Bowie, Mick Ronson, dude, fucking Frank Zappa. I mean, Ainsley Dunbar is one of those guys that, you know, back in the back in the early '80s, if you read heavy metal magazines, you just saw his name everywhere. You know, so hmm. um, also, I guess a lot of people might. Not remember this, but Randy Jackson from fucking American Idol used to play bass for Journey. Not mm-hmm. back in those days. For one year. Yeah, he was for one year, and he played. It was kind of like the new Journey. Straight up, dude. I had never listened to this album until until we were doing this I'd episode. I'd never heard it either. Yeah, like, like, and that's his whole claim to fame, right? Is like, like, uh, what the fuck did any of those other people on that panel do besides Paul Abdul, as far as most people know? But, you know. For American Idol, Simon Cowell, he's a big behind-the-scenes guy, right? Yeah. And I guess Randy Jackson's done a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, too. I mean, he's played with other dudes, but this was his big claim. And he, when somebody did um, Don't Stop Believing on uh, on American Idol, he was like, oh, man, you know, that's a very near and dear song to me. And then I didn't realize until years later, well, wait, you never fucking 
played that song on the record or anything. I must have done it when they played live or whatever, right? But he did play bass live on some rendition of that. Maybe it was for like an award show or something like that. But to see him actually on there playing bass, I was like, oh, okay. But yeah, like like just the little ties that this band has to different things around the world. You know, it's it's interesting. Apparently. Neil Sean was in a uh, hair metal band called Hardline. That oh, yeah. I remember reformed. that one, too. Yeah, I, I wasn't aware, but maybe I'll have to look into that later. Like, just the sheer amount of people that have been... Like, the fact that it was already dudes coming from other bands when they started out, and the things that the, everybody that has left since has gone on to do, you know? Like, like I love Ross Valerie on, on the bass <clears throat> for the... Okay, so here's what we'll do. Pre-Steve Perry, we'll call early days... What should we call the Steve Perry era? We'll just call that Journey. The Steve Para. <laughs> the Steve Para. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Dude, shut up. You're welcome. Right. <laughs> okay. And then anything after that's new, just this new Journey. Yeah, but, you can lump that all together. But like Ross, Ross Valerie, his bass sound, like it almost sounds fretless. I, I've never, I didn't really look it up to see if he plays fretless, but like I don't think he does because it doesn't always have that sound. But fuck, if you listen to stuff like Who's Crying Now, mm-hmm. like the, the bass line he's playing, like he re- he worked really well. Uh, and again, this might be that jazz shit, dude, but like how he, he, the interplay between the bass guitar and the piano, because the piano can fucking play bass on its own. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like when you have a, a piano player or just a keyboard player in general, but especially if they're playing, you know, not piano, but like when they're playing like riffs on the piano mm-hmm. and they're not just doing the, the ambient, like, you know, chord holding chords and stuff like that. Yeah. When they're actually playing the thing, like when you have a bass player and a piano that can work together, like they do like these two guys, mm-hmm. it can, it can give it such a fucking awesome sound because basically what you'll end up with is the bass player playing what would be the left hand on the piano mm-hmm. And it gives it a completely different type of fucking sound. And it's really fucking great when you have that. And there's lots of bands that do it. It's not like, I'm not saying these guys are the best at it. I'm not saying that they they invented it. Lots of bands do it. I just really like how these guys fucking do it. They're they're really cool. I always thought Ross Valerie or Valorie. I've always thought, I always, or AKA as I knew him, Journey's bass player. There you go. <laughs> I always thought he was another underrated guy. I mean, I thought I always thought musically... This band was really underrated because Steve Perry was so huge as Steve Perry. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can't blame you. The guy has an amazing fucking voice and a a fairly unique sounding voice. Mm -hmm. You know, he's one of those singers that he became the identity, like he became the band's identity. Like to the point where most people hear anything fucking with Journey without Steve Perry. They don't call it Journey. Yeah. So here's my question to you. Shoot. I've always said there's there's some singers that become, they are the band, right? My my example was always Foreigner. And the reason why was because I don't, I, um, you know, where I lived in Idaho, there's the Southeast Idaho State Fair, which is a super specific geographical spot, but whatever. One year, me and my buddy fucking Pickles are like fucking, we're sitting in the, in the gas station we both worked at, and and we saw the foreigner was playing at the at the Blackfoot Fair is what everybody called it, because it was in the town Blackfoot, and he was like, "Oh my God, dude, we gotta go!" And I'm like, "Fuck that!" Like, why not? And I'm like, "Lou Graham's not in foreigner," 
And he's like, who gives a fuck? And I'm like, I give a fuck. I would rather see Lou Graham with four random dudes than watch the actual band of Foreigner without Lou Graham. Mm -hmm. Because to me, the only thing that makes Foreigner Foreigner is Lou Graham's voice. And Journey, for a lot of people, is the same way. The only thing that they don't, the music isn't anything special to them. So it's like, what makes that band that band? And that's that dude's fucking voice, man. Like, and it happens with a ton of fucking bands. So which one are you? Between a band guy or the singer guy? Yeah. This is a tricky situation, because if you asked me last week, in the case of Journey specifically, I would have said I would, you know, it's just like everybody else, a Steve Perry thing, but I've come to appreciate the musicianship with these guys so much, and I have, how, how much of the discography did you listen to, just the Steve Perry stuff? Oh, no. I listened to very little of the new stuff. Okay. But I listened to a lot of the fucking Steve Perry and the older. So I listened to a lot of the Steve Perry deep cuts, like the stuff that isn't the hits. Yeah. And then I listened to a lot of the stuff prior okay. uh, to Steve Perry. So I've actually come to really appreciate this Steve Augury guy, man. Like, like I think he's, like he's actually pretty really good, good. dude. Yeah. And he sounds, he's stylistically in the same realm as Steve Perry, but he doesn't sound like him. But that Arnell dude... Sounds about as damn well near as close as you can to being Steve Perry without actually being Steve Perry, right? So in the case of Journey specifically, I'm kind of torn. And I've only really had a week to think about it, so I need it. But I appreciate the band now in a way that I really didn't before, you know, as players and the, the songwriters and everything that went into it. In general, you know, it depends on the band. Everybody, you know... I, well, I mean, there's certain... I mean, those those certain types of bands where it's like... Well, okay, so here's another one that people have a hard time with. Van Halen. Oh, okay. For a lot of people, man, Van Halen without Sam, with Sammy Hagar is not Van Halen to them. In fact, to the point where they gave it a different name, they call it Van Hagar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You I, know, like, I mean, that was another one. I like some of the Van Hagar stuff. I, I mean, I like a lot of it, but there's, you know, ACDC is another one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Van, that in particular, Because man, almost anybody could play that music. I mean... yeah. I don't know. I I just think like, oh, here's a weird thing. I mean, I actually saw Journey with Arnell. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, I unlike some like the albums, you could tell it's Arnell. He sounds you know yeah. He sounds about as close to Steve Perry as you can get live. You can close your eyes. You swear to God, you're listening to Steve Perry back in 1983. Oh shit. I'm not even kidding you, dude. He sounds just fucking like him. There you go. Uh, so I know because you got to see Alice in Chains. Yes. And so you're, you're I know how but I've Brett only feels. ever seen him with Lane Staley. Right. I know how Brett feels. Are you also of the mind that it's not Alice in Chains if it's not Lane Staley? Yep. Okay. So I could, so I'm the opposite, not I'm the opposite, but I, I, I appreciate both singers and I would love to have fucking seen them when they played however long ago. But like, I, I, that's a band I can do and I can still appreciate. You, I, I just take it for what it is. You know, it's, it's not Lane Staley. It's just. What's I think it depends on how you feel about. I think I actually. I guess the big thing is like, how do you feel about the music? Yeah, the because music for me is strong enough. If you think, if it's a situation where you think like anybody can come in and fucking play this stuff, okay. Now here's the thing though, and Foreigner's a weird example because they're an older band. They haven't done a whole lot recently, but. Here, here's here's the difference. Okay, so put yourself back then. Mm-hmm. Four and a four comes out, whatever, right? That you know, it's like fucking like God. 
it's like eight of the fucking ten songs were singles or some shit. Yeah, one of um, those. Oh, dude, it's such a, it was a great album. Now, let's say their follow-up album, right? Because I think that's when Lou Graham left. Mm-hmm. So, or maybe the album after that. Anyway, Lou Graham leaves, starts his own band. Now, we're just going to go see him live. Yes, I would rather see Lou Graham with four random dudes than go watch that band Foreigner with a different singer. But, now, what, what, what would I rather if they were writing a new album? <laughs> because now, that makes a difference. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember when Evanescence was like the biggest band in the world for a hot minute back in the mid-2000s? Mm-hmm. And then when um, the main songwriter dude split, you had Evanescence, which was Amy Lee and a bunch of hired guns, and you had this other band, which unfortunately the name escapes me. But uh, it was basically the band that wrote that big album and performed on that big album. And, uh, and the singer they got was a runner-up on American Idol, I think. And so... You had two disparate camps, and neither of them reached the heights that they did on that one album because they weren't the same as one another, right? That's another example that comes to mind. I was never big into Evanescence. I don't know if you were. Um, no, it's a, it's a big thing, too, because when it comes to writing the album, it really depends on, are the main songwriters there? Yeah. Because if you like the songs, then you're going to need those songwriters there. If you don't really care what kind of... Because some of these bands, especially from this era... Some of these bands could kind of just write whatever. Yeah. You know, like a lot of the classic rock bands, I mean, they, they had a lot of different styles. I mean, you listen to Journey, it's like as much as they were fucking really kind of fucking jazzy and trippy, like at the start, mm-hmm. they had stuff like Lights and, and fucking uh, Love and Touch and Squeezing or whatever the fuck that song is, yeah. where it's kind of like this yeah. bluesy kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. they, they could do a lot, you know, and then you had shit like, I mean, straight on like R&B songs. Like, yeah like fucking songs you dance to at prom. You know what I mean? Like they could kind of do whatever they wanted to do. And there was a lot of bands back then that could do that. Foreigner's another one that could do that. Really? Van Halen had a lot of weird shit. Yeah, real quick, something that <clears throat> raced through my mind. I wanted to see if you thought the same. Is this the closest we or the closest we got to having an American queen? I think it is. Yeah, man. To the point where I found out later they had a producer on the first one with Steve Perry. They had the producer that did the classic Queen albums to see if they could replicate that success. I think Foreigner was, you know, with a lot of their songs, I mean, particularly after that one album, I mean, I guess Foreigner probably didn't have the longevity, but that one album was fucking fire. Yeah, And they went huge, right? Yeah. But I also think that they were more just like musically, they were more, I mean, they were more hard rock musically than Journey is. Most definitely. Journey... I mean, in a sense, man, it was like an American version of Queen, and they would be America's version of Queen because, and they didn't get as out there as Queen, but they did get as fucking, like, as far as trying different styles and stuff. Exactly. They were as eccentric as you could get without going as eccentric as Queen did. Yeah, they were right there. Like, so, yeah, I'd probably say that. The American Queen. Mm -hmm. Dude, hashtag American Queen. We can make T-shirts with like fucking Steve Perry, fucking like right nah. next to fucking Freddie Mercury. Oh, okay, that's better than where <laughs> or I have them you were like going. back to back with their mics up, dude. Yeah, and have yeah. them like say American Queen. Yeah, you know what? I just realized I've never seen any live footage of Journey with Steve Perry. I've seen little bits with our. Well, I've seen quite a bit. Yeah, fuck, man, what an eclectic ass band. And that it's, it's coming from the schools of, even though they weren't from the same place, obviously. Uh, is, does this qualify as AOR? What I always hear about is AOR because I still can't figure out what the fuck AOR is. Album-oriented rock? 
Yeah. Is okay. it? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. When I even looked up the article, I couldn't find it tied to any specific bands, you know? I even saw, when I was fucking around on Spotify, they're on a playlist called Yacht Rock. Okay, dude, that's a new kind of thing, because I just saw that, too, yeah. and I was like, what the fuck is Yacht Rock? Yeah, well, so then I look on, you know, everything. They're not on anything else that mentions Yacht Rock except this fucking one album. In a way, I could kind of see where you're coming from with that, right? But, like... I, I think exactly of that end scene with Caddyshack when Any Way You Want It is playing, but on a yacht. You know what I mean? It's the party music from the 80s or some shit. It's like, did you watch Wolf of Wall Street? I've never seen it. I can't recommend you do. Anyways, there's a song where they're partying on a yacht. Now, granted... Okay, so yeah, album-oriented rock mm-hmm. is an American FM radio format focusing on album tracks by rock artists. AOR evolved from progressive rock radio in the mid-1970s using research and formal programming to create an album rock format with greater commercial appeal. So I guess that's kind of what this is, huh? Oh, definitely. Yeah. All right. I so mean, they, they definitely... It's, it's, it's really weird, too, because this is what... At some point... And a lot of people say that point was Peter Frampton, Frampton Comes Alive. Mm, okay. Because from what I've heard, that was the first platinum album. That album sold so many fucking records, they were like, we need something better than gold. For real. That's what I've heard. Oh, shit. VH1 is the source. <laughs> All right. Hold you to that candle, But VH1. that's what I heard. We're coming for your ass, Eddie Trunk. Yeah. So. In general. Sorry. That's when music became big business. And this is kind of right around that same time where these guys started to change from that jazzy, progressive rock stuff into more of a fucking AOR, you know, radio rock type band. And that's, that's again, 1977, 78, somewhere in there. And it's only getting more and more and more commercial. Like, it's, it's always going to be. It always has been. I mean, I don't know how much more commercial you can get. I mean, I think that we're just at a point where it's like, uh, now if you look at like a lot of active rock radio, um, the formula tends to be the same for the most part. Yeah. As far as anything new coming out that wants to be on the radio, you kind of have to sound a certain way or you have to format your songs in a certain way and then you can have your own sound. I'm not saying everybody sounds the same, but the, the formats generally... Uh, you know, generally the same. I mean, there was a big thing there for a while where it was like, you know, that people used to say like, you know, oh, your song has to be three and a half minutes and, and things like that. That's all part of that AOR shit. Uh, that AOR shit. Okay. That all started back then. Yeah. Did you hear what the last revision of that was ever since streaming? Well, fuck streaming. Since MP3s on iTunes became a thing and just, you know, technology changed so much. It was closer to, it was either, I had the number written down somewhere, but it was t- two minutes and 42 seconds or it was... Uh, 247 and that was like 12 years ago imagine how it's changed since then you know oh yeah even short songs they try to trim shorter so that they can fit in more space for ads and shit and hold people's attention more you know have you ever have you ever listened to the radio edit of um my curse by kill switch not the video edit the radio edit Mm -mm. they take out parts of the song to make it shorter to fit within I've the heard, format. I've heard lots of stuff where they take out full fucking parts. I mean, yeah, yeah they was do they were doing that back in the day, man. Like White oh, yeah. Snake, listen to fucking Here I Go Again. Oh, it's yeah, missing yeah, a whole yeah. entire guitar solo. Mm-hmm. You know, and they cut the shit out of the end. Listen to Let's Go Crazy by Prince. Yeah. They cut out that whole fucking guitar solo in that song too. And they cut out the whole fuck almost like the majority of the intro. Mm-hmm. They only give you the fucking dearly beloved 
we ain't got to do today. Like, they give you some of that shit. That seems kind of generous. But that intro is actually a fucking lot longer than that. Yeah. So it's a sermon, they, they've right? been doing it a long time. Like, radio edit has been around for a while. But that's the thing. Those radio edit things, like, that started... 77, 78, that kind of deal. Like, that was kind of right where it fucking went, man. You know, Boston's got a lot of edited shit because they had, they generally wrote longer songs. Yeah. But they were from that same camp, that camp of like that, that, uh, they just wrote music differently back then. Mm -hmm. There was a lot more emphasis on musicianship back then. Not saying that there's none now. There's plenty of fucking fine, like great musicians, fine musicians. And there's plenty of people that like music. Music is still important. But there was more of an emphasis on it back then. Mm-hmm. Go back and listen. You know, just turn on your classic rock radio station. Take out a fucking. You know, get on your phone, open up your notes, and just make a fucking mark every time you hear a guitar solo. Yeah, there you go. Then turn it on a fucking new radio station, obviously rock or metal station, and fucking count how many fucking guitar solos you hear. Like, there's not as many. They. Mm-hmm. Oh, and here's another thing. You'll turn on any fucking top 40 radio station and try to count how many times you hear a guitar. Yeah, that, that's a whole different <laughs> you know? basket of puppies yeah, right so, there, dude. So it was just different back then. And these guys were kind of, I mean, they were right on that fucking edge. So they had, you know, they don't have to. They were one of those bands that helped that transition. You know, and they did... I mean, to a roundabout sort of way, I mean, they did usher in, like, the glam era and and that sort of thing because they were one of those bridge bands where it's like, oh, I like classic rock, but this new band, Def Leppard, just came out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and and it's like, well, I like Journey. They're kind of, like, right in between them. Yeah, no doubt. Just like Van Halen, just like... Yeah, uh, Van Halen was another one. Yeah. Foreigner's another one. Night Ranger's another one. Yeah. So there was a lot of those a lot of those bands, and that's what is considered fucking hard rock for anybody that wants to know what the fuck the difference is between hard rock and heavy metal or hard rock and just old school metal or hard rock and classic rock. Yeah. I mean that's that's pretty much the fucking difference right there. Um, let's see, is there anything else you want to get into? Arnell which I thought was pretty cool. That whole story is cool, yeah. Yeah. Well, now that I know the I mean, Sopranos element well, to it's it. It's pretty well documented. I yeah. mean, I don't know how much you want to get into it. I, I mean, are they the luckiest as... band ever? Yeah. I mean. It's the modern yeah. version Maybe of. Maybe Priest um, was just was as lucky. Just going to say, the modern version <laughs> of uh, Rockstar. Remember yeah. where it's just like they yeah. have the VHS? It's so much easier. Just like, okay, Journey covers. Yeah, fucking YouTube, YouTube man. and yeah. And they've been killing it ever since. Uh, For all intents and purposes, like, he's the one, you know... Well, and I'm sure the resurgence with Sopranos and all that stuff helped. But, like, you know, they've they the last two albums charted in the top 40. And that's something they weren't doing up until that point for a while. There's a song... There was a song that, like, I mean... I guess I would consider it an honorable mention. One of the new ones that I really liked. And there's there's a lot of good new ones. I mean, it's just I'm not necessarily in the mood for that kind of stuff, really. But... The song City of Hope, it's a really good fucking song. It's on the newest Journey album from 2011, mm-hmm. which I just thought about that. I'm like, wow, that's actually a long time ago. It's almost a different decade. Shit, they could not write another album for now, like for forever, yeah, and, and still, still tour, tour for yeah. fucking ever on Absolutely. the stuff that they're doing now, uh, they've had. Um, but yeah, City of Hope, man, it's a really good fucking tune. You should check it out yeah. um, if you want like a little gem from now. the new era. Yeah. Uh, that's a pretty good one, man. Like, Didn't they put out an album of him... 
Covering Steve Perry stuff? Covering a lot of the... I didn't see it on Spotify. I don't know, but, but that um, sounds like that'd be the smartest fucking thing in the world, doesn't it? Like, Well, it so I saw this a, album listed as uh, Generations, and then I found out that's not it. That's I what like, I Whoa, thought, too, like, yeah. Okay, yeah. and then I saw Eclipse because they had Escape and Eclipse, and it looked. I thought, okay, maybe that's it. Nope, that's not it either. So maybe I was just fucking... That's what they should do. That makes all the sense um, in the world, dude. I could have sworn they fucking did it, man. I'm going to look up their full fucking discography, yeah. like live albums and compilations. Only put out one EP, and it was like 14 years ago. Did you listen to that one by chance? It's all right. It's called Red 13 or something like that. Oh, I don't know if I... It's all right. Oh, I heard of that one. I don't know if I listened to it, I had though. to go on YouTube for that one. It's not available... The two albums with Steve Augury, I don't think, are available because, you know, they were on Sanctuary. If you remember Sanctuary Records, that should say everything right there. So Christ, I, had to go on I just looked it that. up, man. They don't. I don't think they did record. I could have swore. Maybe I just dreamed it. Put it into the ether, so expect to hear Tuesday or something. <laughs> yeah, that they'll dude, they'll like, do that. I, I could have swore they, that they recorded one with him with do, like kind of like just doing the greatest hits. Yeah, no, that would make all the sense in the that, world. Maybe dude. not. Like, yeah. I guess um, not. I don't, I don't see anything about it on here, so. I don't know. We'll see what happens, right? Yeah, the the trip with the uh, EP they did, it was apparently one of the songs was co-written with uh, Jeff Tate from, at the time, Queensryche. Um, another interesting thing, when I was listening to some of the old 80s stuff, even maybe late 70s, this, with some of the Steve Perry stuff, I was like, man, some of these passages remind me of kind of the more mid-paced like dream theater stuff. You ever catch any of do that? Do you know what they do a lot that I love? Is the arpeggiated chords? I think that's what I'm thinking of. It makes it so airy. Yeah, like it's, yeah. I fucking love that they do that, man. Yeah. Like, so when they came back in '96, sure enough, fucking, and I did look up because I'm that guy. Yeah, uh, Dream Theater is in fact influenced by Journey. All right, so that makes sense. But when they came back in the '90s, that that first album back with Steve Perry in '96, it was produced by Kevin Shirley, who's been Dream Theater's guy for years now. So to hear uh, it with that production, I was like, oh, my God, this just makes too much sense. It sounds like fucking that mellower, but, like, still kind of yeah. going dream theater, but with Steve Perry on vocals. Right. And he's collaborated with them since. He might have even done some of the Arnell stuff. Well, so I mean, just, it's crazy because James Labrie sounds yeah. more like Steve Perry style than any other metal, you know, than any metal singer. He's closer to what fucking Steve Perry's doing than, than what most metal singers are doing. No doubt. Dude, Dean Castronovo. Mm-hmm. Totally just remembered where I fucking... Dude, Geezer. The Fuck. band Geezer. Wow. Plastic okay. Planet Melting Sun, or whatever the fuck Burton's yeah. screaming. Yeah, But yeah, yeah that yeah. Geezer Butler fucking super group with fucking... With uh, Burton... Bird on vocals. On the first album, it was somebody else Burton on the C. second. Burton C. Bell. Yeah. yeah um, that... I mean, so yeah, he's, he's done a lot of fucking stuff with like a lot of different like... Uh, uh, metal acts too. It's it, there. There is a metal connection to be had for sure. Some of the, you know, it's like Queen. Queen's not a metal band, but some of the stuff they do could be considered metal. I've seen that in a lot of the old reviews and stuff. You know, for especially that a lot. You know, leady kind of guitar work in the eighties. Oh stuff yeah, more. I mean, it's just so weird. Like, there's just not a lot of bands like that nowadays. That whole style like just kind of died out. It was unique to the era, I think. You know what I mean? You know, it's kind of a bummer. I mean, I just saw a new fucking term called rockternative. <laughs> I'm someone referred to it on on a on a on a fucking Facebook group I'm in, and I mean, they're a radio listener, and they they said like the stuff that like some of these rock stations are playing this they call it rockternative, and I, I'm assuming they're talking about like Imagine Dragons and 
Okay. And um, all right, all right. And 21, Twenty One Pilots and stuff right. like that, where that you know, it's like, why, why do you guys got to play all this rock alternative stuff? And I just fucking saw uh, yeah, that term. I was like, I just had to laugh. I was like, holy shit, I've never heard that before. Nor but like, I. okay. But I think that's the closest you have to stuff like this in the modern era. It might yeah. as well be. It's really fucking strange to me. I'm just like, I don't know how it happened. I do know when I listen to the early stuff, it sounds old. Yes. It sounds old to me. Yeah. It sounds I'm, I'm assuming if era. you if you made if you made music like that now without having like a retro crowd, it would just sound old to people. There's just certain things that you can't do anymore because it just sounds like the old way unless you're Opeth. Well, I mean, that's there's definitely I'm, people yeah. have the boner for the old sound. Yeah. I mean, that's fine, but mm. I don't know. I just think like there's By and large, yeah, no. You can't do that if you're not an established. Like I asked my son, you know, like, oh, you listen to Iron Maiden, fucking tell me, does that sound old to you? And he's like, no. But when there's certain things, like when you listen to like early Judas Priest, I was like, does that sound old to you? And he's like, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so they never repeated that. There's just this older sound, you know, that that you just can't. You probably, again, aside from a retro thing, you're probably just not going to be able to bring back. But yeah, but I mean, these guys went fucking way into like some r&b like really kind of slow stuff and you know what's so weird is like the whole raised on radio album it's 1986 yeah i i still when i hear some of those fucking songs like uh was it ask the lonely maybe i i had when i um, these until now God, what the who's crying now I think that's actually an older one let me yeah, look it up real quick yeah i didn't think anything on there was something i was familiar with Sender My Love, I think, was the one I was singing the other like Okay, so I'll just read a couple of these off. It's the stuff that's like, I'll be alright without you was the bit was the big one off of that album that I always consider one of these fucking songs. So actually the other one I'm thinking of is actually Frontiers. I mean, dude, it's 1983. Mm-hmm. That's the one. Um Sender My Love. I guess that's the only one. They they had Wow, so maybe I'm thinking of something off of Trial by Fire. Maybe, I don't know. It's some of these ones that were on like those fucking greatest hits, and maybe that's why I think of them. Mm. There's some of those really slow things that I just think are so much fucking further down the road. Hmm. I don't know why. Dude, And I'm not talking faithfully. I'm not talking open arms. I'm talking like who's crying now, send her my love, fucking these sort of songs where I just for some reason in my fucking head, I always associate them with like, after those albums. Yeah, no, I buy that. You know, it's interesting when we when I was first getting into the thick of it, because the first one with uh, Steve Perry, Infinity? Yeah, in 1978. Where, yeah. You know, that obviously, it goes a lot of different directions. The one after that, Evolution, I... Mm, I didn't prefer that one as much as I did the ones that came after it, or Infinity for that matter. Because to me, that was kind of more in the realm of what you're talking about, where it is a little slower. For lack of definition, not ballady, but, you know, a little more somber, maybe? It's so weird, man, because I just always... And I, I mean, I think it's just because, like, a lot of bands did, like, Foreigner, mm-hmm. as they went on, got, I mean, even with without Lou Graham, and then Lou Graham's solo stuff, it was all, like, the slower R&B-ish, less rock-oriented... Well, I mean, it was still rock-oriented, but it was less hard rock oriented it was less guitar driven yeah and um another one bad company that was another one they got a new singer they put out this new stuff and it was all this fucking light like relatively light stuff and a lot of those a lot of those hard rock bands 
as they went on, either went very radio, like even Jefferson Airplane at, went as Jefferson Starship, then Starship, and they went full fucking radio, or almost no guitars. Mm-hmm. Uh, Night Ranger, you know, had a couple songs off of like Secret of My Success and stuff like that, the movie, where they had no guitars on it. It was all fucking keyboard stuff, and it sounded nothing like Night Ranger. There was a lot of those bands that, as they got older, they transitioned out of like the the guitar oriented stuff. And for some reason, when I hear some of those Journey songs, I lump that stuff in with that stuff, which is way later. Yeah. I mean, not way later, but it's a little bit fucking later. Yeah, yeah. It was like as hair metal was coming up, it's almost as if these guys were just like, Boston was another one. Mm-hmm. You know, those older bands were just like, oh, we, you know, we're just going to leave that music for the kids and yeah. we're going to go to this thing. For sure. You know what I mean? And it kept them very radio relevant. For quite a while, probably Absolutely. more so than if they had stayed on their same path. But so let me posit this to you then, because like the trajectory is going really good until that um, that one from '86. That was their last record. Raised before. on radio. Yeah, and it feels like maybe it's because they leaned a little too far into that. They like they kind of towed that line a little too over the edge, or maybe this. Well, why did Steve know. Perry leave? Because it was I never got that story. I yeah. can't. Rem- I I don't remember seeing it, but I I don't think he left because. I don't think he left for the uh, solo career. I thought he left for a different reason. Let's look it up. It just says he bailed or something. Because he was doing solo stuff between albums, apparently. Well, him and Neil Sean were, but... Yeah, all those guys went all over the place. Oh, yeah, I guess it doesn't say why. Yeah, it just says he bailed. Because that was the thing. It was always kind of enigmatic to me why Well, it says, but with, with Perry unable or unwilling to remain actively involved... So, I mean, he was out kind of like on the tour mm-hmm. for Raised on Radio because it says that they just canceled the rest of the tour and went on an extended indefinite hiatus. Yeah. Seems, I, yeah. I'm wondering why he, like, maybe they did. Well, no, because, like, dude, if you listen to that Steve Perry fucking solo album, I don't, well, okay, maybe that's what it was. Maybe he wanted to go further into that fucking area and they didn't. His mom died around the time of Raised on Radio. Uh, yeah. Now I see. I mean, still n- n- 10 years later, you know? But, I mean, the rest of those guys went on the hiatus, too, and they all went off to... We talked about Neil Sean going to Hardline, all these other guys doing stuff. Um, yeah, they all did a lot of different things, man. I mean, I know Steve Smith put out a bunch of fucking, like, solo... And he, he jumped on a lot of those... I mean, a lot of fucking jazz fusion stuff, but I, I remember seeing him, you know, like, these... Kind of like super groups. It was guys like Billy Sheehan and like yeah. Stu Ham and stuff, and they kind of joined this like you know just a fucking jazz power trio type yeah. thing. He he did a lot of stuff like that too. Most definitely. So I mean, they got back together eventually, and like like that record's fine. And then that's the thing. At a certain point, it's just like, yeah, these are cool songs, but it's nothing that captures the same fire as that mid career. Late seventies to early to mid eighties kind of fire, you know, with the the, the songs on songs on songs, dude. Just the the sheer hit factories that are those, however many records with Steve Perry. There's one in there that was really weird. Did you try? Did you listen to Dream After Dream or whatever it's called? Yeah, Dream After Dream in 1980, between Departure and Escape. Oh yeah. I had to YouTube that shit. It's not available anywhere, and apparently it was some soundtrack for a movie that was released only in Japan. And the soundtrack was a bigger deal than the movie, I guess. That, yeah. Wow, I just looked it up on Steve Perry's solo page. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> he released Street Talk before Raised on Radio. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I like, always thought it was Raised on Radio, and then he left the band to join yeah. to do the solo album. That's not true, man. It looks like it's he just pretty fucked fucking off crazy. for a decade. Yeah. Um, and those other guys went and did stuff. Hey, he was on We Are the World. Oh, for real? Fuck yeah, dude. When was that? I think it was 85. Okay, I thought it was sooner yeah, than that. Yeah, in 1985, one of 21 singers in the USA for Africa, We Are the World. Man, that was a fucking awesome moment for me. I don't know why, but every kid I knew at my school loved that fucking song. We even, we even fucking sang it for our fucking school, like one of our programs or whatever. Yeah. Was that the one uh, Bob Geldof was in charge of on uh, putting together, or was that like Quincy Jones or something like that? I think that one was Quincy Jones, because okay. Bob Geldof was like Live Aid. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same but, yeah, I, it's pretty interesting, man. It just doesn't really fucking say, like, yeah, he said fuck it. Yeah. I was going to say, dude, with the success of, um, obviously, We Are the Champions and all the other ones, you know, not discounting Straight Outta Compton or Rocket Man or whatever, it seems like this would be one that might be rife for biopic status, you know? Maybe. Like, what about those missing 10 years and Steve Perry? Now I'm kind of curious, you know? I'm assuming he had more than enough money to live off of for those 10 years, you know, to just right. do a bit of a walkabout or whatever, right? Let's see. And has he done anything since that album that... Uh, that they well, did he didn't 96. even finish. Like he had, he had, he was gonna do another album. Huh. <laughs> he just didn't even finish it. So yeah. Did you see who they got? Well, I mean, Steve Augury came after them. But did you see? Now I'm seeing for the first time who was between Scott Augury, or Steve Augury, or whatever his fucking name is, and um, and between him and Arnell, is Jeff Scott Soto for one year, the uh, the original singer of Ingve Malmsteen. Oh no shit! I had no idea until just now. Huh. And even then, it looks like they had a guy between, um, what's his fucking name, dude? There's too many goddamn names to remember. Between Greg Rowley and Steve Perry, there was this other guy named Robert Fleischman for a year. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I and remember they, reading that, yeah. too. There's just so many. It's like fucking the guy that they got between Ozzy Stints and Black Sabbath that was there for one year and only did, like, a radio performance, Dave buck or something like that like dave buck something like that let me let me give this guy his credit i always feel bad for that guy because then ozzy came back and he got kicked out and he had to they made geezer rewrite all the fucking lyrics for uh never say die because he didn't want to sing his stuff <laughs> man that's gotta fucking really just like boost the ego oh yeah no what one did, believes you when you're at the bar. Fucking yeah, man. <laughs> say, I used to sing for, I would sing for Black Sabbath. Yeah. What like, song did you sing on? <laughs> uh, sorry, Dave Walker. All right. I always fuck that guy's name up. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> he, right, he, which he, one? And you're telling him, that, it doesn't fucking exist. Yeah. It's not on Wikipedia, <laughs> yeah, bitch. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say so he... Uh, <laughs> he uh he also played with Fleetwood Mac but that was that was like oh my before God. Stevie Nicks. So and apparently he just plays bars in Montana now. So Dude, more power to you, Dave Walker. Rough. But just like, you know, like those interim guys, which which journey album were you on? <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, right before Steve Perry. Yeah, was, I don't know. Oh man. So shout out to everybody that's ever been a member of Journey for their contributions. Shout out to everybody that was in Black Sabbath. I'm ready for the fucking list. All right. It's time for the list. We're back. Yep. And on that note, Jason, we're going to have you start this guy off because you have more honorable mentions than me. Um, honorable mentions, I just real quickly mentioned some of them. Uh, only the Young. Uh, I always like that song. Reminds me of the movie Vision Quest, which if you haven't seen it, don't bother. It's not that great of a movie. 
It's about a kid that becomes a wrestler. Different time. Well, he's like really trying to make the wrestling team, and then he meets this girl, and it's just, I don't know. That's it's not the one with Rob Lowe, is it? No, it's actually uh, Matt Modine. Okay. <laughs> There's a name. Yeah, dude, it's rough. But yeah, I mean, I like the fucking song. It's got the fucking ding, 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 and then the guitar, ding, 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 like at the same time. So it's got this, it's a faster paced song for Journey. Tron has, so- or yeah, Tron has Journey songs? Oh, yeah, dude, Separate Ways plays in, in Tron Legacy. That's the song that comes, it's the only licensed song in the whole movie. Oh, it's when he's in the arcade and he fucking turns on the power and Separate Ways starts playing. Hmm. Huh. And fucking Heavy Metal has open arms? Yeah. Blowing my goddamn mind. Okay. <laughs> Which, that's another honorable mention is Open Arms. That was the first rock song I learned how to play on the piano nice. when I was very young. I, I got to give it up for Open Arms, too. That's, that's I classic. I fucking really like that song. But yeah, that's how a lot of people know that song is from the Heavy Metal soundtrack. Hmm. What fucking scene is it? Or is it just on the soundtrack? I don't know what scene. I haven't seen Heavy Metal since I was a little kid, but yeah. I just always remember it being on that fucking soundtrack. <laughs> Hmm. And then another one is uh, one that's kind of a, I guess it's kind of a deeper cut. It's called Still They Ride off of Escape. And here, I'll play I hate it. being this guy, but yeah, okay. It was actually a single. I didn't know that. Out of the next two of us. Still They Ride. Like, it's uh, just listen to the chorus, dude. There's, it's. Kind of a really slow song, but the chorus is fucking awesome. I like that. Probably why it didn't, I mean, definitely wouldn't make my list as far as full song. Yeah. Chorus like, is good I like though. the interplay where it's basically just him copying the uh, guitar lead or yeah, vice yeah. versa, however you want to look at it. But yeah, they I do that bet. quite a bit too. Yeah. Um, Neil Sean really like is good at making, like he sings on his guitar. Yeah. Pretty you know, cool. something I noticed in a lot of instances, it's, it's the vocal, Steve Perry's vocal that makes some of these songs for me, even if it's just for a moment. Oh yeah, dude. Like, uh, so who's crying now? That one is specifically like, I love the bass sound with the keyboard. Um, fuck. It's just awesome. And then the solo, you know, the fucking, the, that's classic right there. That's very, that's very dude walking in the rain. Uh, yeah, know. I mean, and it's, like, again, <laughs> like, um, you know, lyrics are fine, vocals are fine, like, uh, mellower tune, but, like, fuck, man, the guitar solo is just really fucking, it's so simple. It's a very simple guitar solo, but it's one of my favorites, like, I mean, that he, at least for Neil Sean, I, just, I, I mean, it's so singable and stuff, like, it's fucking great. And then, obviously, man, faithfully. So, like, a lot of ballads. Dude, if you fucking ever have a chance to stand in the crowd... While Journey is playing faithfully, do it. Especially in the fucking... Yeah, yeah, for sure. And hearing the whole crowd do that, it's fucking outstanding, dude. Mm -hmm. Like, if you ever have a chance, do it, man. It's really fucking cool. And if you're a musician and you have a fucking chick, I mean, if she stands by you, or if you're a chick musician and you have a dude and he stands by you, good fucking song, especially if you've ever gone on a tour, so... That's kind of what it's about. Any honorable mentions for you? Because, I, like I said, I just wanted to go through mine pretty quick. Most of the people know what these yeah, songs are about as I, far as honorables. I had way more, and you touched on some of them, so I feel like that's that's validation enough. The only one I really, 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 after listening back and really going through my list one more time that stuck out to me was Stone and Love off of... Um, it's off Escape, right? I think it's the second song off Escape. Let's, yep. Yeah. And fucking, it's just... It's, it's that opening guitar line, and that's what sold, sells me on a lot of these songs is that, that opening guitar line. It reminds me of, like, 
dudes playing softball or whatever in an 80s. I go back to, well, because it's, it's the fucking decade it was made in. But you know what I'm talking about? It's just like, all right, gang. Everybody's got the, getting the, the coolers out of their out of their trunks or whatever, tailgating before the big game, and then going for pizza afterwards or oh, yeah. some shit. Reagan era shit. Um, <laughs> it just reminds me of, and I don't know what the fucking song's about. It occurs to me, I don't know what Stone and Love is about at all. I don't think I know what any of these goddamn lyrics are about in hindsight, but... It's the it's the the feeling that's evoked. You know what I mean? It's the some vibe. of the some of their lyrics are pretty blatant. Oh, I could imagine. I mean, "Don't Stop Believing"'s got to be pretty on the nose, right? Oh man, but yeah, that that as far as honorable mentions, like that that just was shy of my top five, um, and it's a jam. A lot of these are jams, dude. Like that was the thing having to whittle some of these down. I was just like, man, this is good, but I don't know if it can justifiably be put above these or even in the same league as some of these other ones you know it's like we were talking the the 96 album with steve perry and everything that followed is good it's just not in the same league to me you know but it's all it's all pretty good yeah they just were never the same yeah good on them for still continuing on you gotta make that tour money man good on you oh yeah on that note kick it off with your number five kick off the list my number five is don't stop believing Place to start. Might be a surprise to some people. This isn't my number one, I guess. Yeah, I, I could see that. <laughs> it's probably hard for anybody to imagine this not being anybody's number one from Journey. It's such a popular song, but let me ask you this then: Is it just because you've heard it so much? No, I've just never. It's never been a favorite of mine. Okay. Well, obviously it's a favorite. It's in my five, but yeah, it's never. So one one song leapfrogged in my list. Well, one song came out of nowhere. So I have one song on my list. It's actually next. But one song on my list that I will get to it. But no, the, the, my top three have been my three favorite Journey songs for a long time. Don't Stop Believing for a long time was just kind of like, uh, it was just a Journey song to me. It was just never was a big deal. Even when, it, even when it was on The Sopranos, it was never a big deal. It didn't really become a big deal until like, uh, I mean, probably like right, probably 2012, 2011, somewhere in there. Yeah, so we were I, talking I started about... liking it a lot more. I started listening to it a lot more too, because I mean, for a long time, I just even listening to the greatest hits, I would kind of skip it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's not. It's it didn't drop down my list. It just that's kind of where it's always been, you know. And it's not. It's not because I've heard it a zillion times. Because honestly, I don't think I have heard it a zillion times. There's mm-hmm. other Journey songs I've heard a lot more than this. I just take it back, like yeah, we said Sopranos, but also they did it on Family Guy. They did that acapella version on uh, Glee. Glee. They uh, fucking several other things too. Yeah, man. Um, and so we were talking about like they, they had the big bump in sales. I forgot this stat. It is the best-selling digital track from the 20th century, with over seven million copies sold in the United States. Wow. I don't know how much of that's from the bump, but I mean that's saying something that's right crazy. there. That's, yeah, man. Over every other song. It's an anthem. It's it's considered their quintessential song for a damn good reason, right? Yeah. It's, oh, man, it's, it's got the fucking cool piano. F- I mean, and everything's featured in it. Yeah. Like, you know, it's got the cool piano opening. It's got the fucking cool guitar. It's got that the great guitar line. solo. It's got a great fucking bass line. Yeah. The fucking lyrics. I mean, pretty relatable. Everybody's fucking had a dream of some kind. They wanted to chase it. And, you know, good message. It's, I mean, all around, man, it's a fucking great song. I, I totally understand why it's their most popular song <laughs> i totally get it especially nowadays where it's more i wouldn't even say acceptable but it's cooler to be like fucking uh, positivity is a bigger deal now yeah i, I guess I could go for that yeah 
You know, maybe it always was, but we didn't have social media telling us it was a big deal all the time. But it's a big deal now, and yeah. this is a very positive. It, it, this this song is kind of in that same that same line. So like we, me and Deja were talking about this the other day, and it was like. You know, back when I was a kid, it was just like, you know, you, you grow up and you just get a fucking job that you can make some money at and you just live life. And now it's like you got to live your best life. And yeah, what do yeah. you want to do? And mm-hmm. if you don't want to do things, don't do them and do mm-hmm. stuff you want. There, there's so much more emphasis on this sort of thing. And so, yeah, when this song came out, that sort of thing wasn't that big of a deal. This song, you know, nowadays is almost like the anthem for fucking what most of social media is telling you. And that's, yeah. you know, fucking don't stop believing, dude. Like, keep fucking chasing your fucking dream and whatnot. You think that might be part, I just even if it's just part, but part of the reason that it has come to more prominence than it did in the past, maybe? Probably. Yeah. I mean, I could see that. I, I, could, I could definitely see that. What was, was this always the big Journey song back in the day, or what would it have been before that? I think the biggest song, like, back then was... I mean, Open Arms was huge. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you could play that at dances and stuff. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Faithfully was huge. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, even even like Lights, that was another big one back then. Yeah, which I But, didn't... I mean, this was this was one of them. Yeah. I, probably my number two was one of their bigger songs back then also. Yeah. So... I, I've just not known it in the confines of that time. I just don't know if at the time... At the time, I mean, it might have been... I just didn't see it as a huge... Like... My my older sisters and like their friends and stuff. I mean, they weren't bumping "Don't Stop Believing" all the time. Mm, okay, you know what I mean. They yeah, were yeah. they were listening to other songs, other Journey songs more than that. Yeah. Hmm. So I don't know. I guess in my little fucking vacuum, I I just didn't see it as the biggest song back then. Like it, re- it really surprised me when I when I would you know after the after Sopranos it would it would really surprise me if you know you get on Spotify and you see the number and you're like damn like that's crazy like yeah. this is easily their biggest song uh, yeah man it's we'll get to that later um, but it's wild what is number five for you my number five off Infinity from 1978 I think go in the second song feeling that way. And I see there was a video. I should have seen it, but, like, all I could imagine is a bunch of poofy hair going everywhere, as was the time. But, like, so I had not heard a lot of these deeper cuts until recently. And apparently it can't be that deep of a cut if it's fucking got a video, right? But, like, compared to, like, again, just the sheer amount of fucking songs they have that are so prominent and so big, like, I can't believe I had never either heard this song or just never really paid attention to it. The whole thing when they were still interplaying some vocals with Greg Rowley, dude, because he sings a lot of that fucking song. Uh, just the way they traded off, dude, like, I was just like, oh, that's intriguing. And again, it is a big part of it is that Steve Perry vocal line, dude. Just the, it's not just that it soars, anybody can soar, but just like going in and out of that, you know, bending those notes. Like, there's something about when they had both of those two singing yeah. on songs that it's like, Especially in the songs that Steve Perry isn't the lead in. Yeah. It's like when he comes in, it's amazing how much, not just different it sounds, but how much, and maybe this is just because we're used to hearing Steve Perry as the lead vocalist. Yeah. And we're used to his voice. We love his voice. But when he comes in, it's it's almost like a big deal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It makes whatever he's doing or whatever the song is doing better it when he starts it. when he comes in. Yeah, man. Even if it's just for you know a little part or whatever. Mm-hmm. Fucking 
awesome. feeling that way. Interesting. Yeah, I, and I always wondered, like, back then, like, it was it attached to any time, like, on the album? Like, those... Those uh, like those Black Sabbath songs that were like, yeah, you know, I, like on a record. Yeah, I you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, was it attached like on a record? Like, if you, hey, hit us up, man. If you're old, yep. <laughs> no, like hit us up if 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 you had the old school record, and let me know if like if it had the separate divider line in the record, or if you had to like find, you know, where to drop the needle at. Uh, I, I'm really curious to see if that's how it was on the on the record. Yeah, because I mean. I, I I never understood why when I fucking downloaded that MP3 out of all of their songs, why I, I had I mean out of all the MP3s that I downloaded out of all of their fucking songs, that was the one that was attached together, mm-hmm. and it was you know slash. Well, you know what it looks like just buzzing by their incredible discography here in terms sheer terms of numbers. It looks like a lot of those songs were just coupled together for singles and stuff. With the slashes and everything. So weird. Yeah, I had a different time, different format. Yeah, if you had the 45 or if you had the single, like, was it just the B-side? And that's why uh, when I got the MP3s, it was just, like, any, you know, feeling that way slash anytime. Because, like, like I said, it was the only one that was like that. And I think, actually, I almost wonder if, I don't think that was the, the album that I downloaded. I think I downloaded the Greatest Hits album. That might be but I looked. At, I mean, I've I've had it on Spotify for a while, and it's separate now. So, yeah, yeah that was good jam. Good mm-hmm. jam. Surprised it made your number five. I'm really curious to see what your number five, like your whole list, because oh man, this seems to me a little out of your fucking wheelhouse a little bit, you know. So I'm I'm curious on your whole fucking list. Well, so here's the trip, man. Is like we didn't really get into it like we usually do about like where we first were exposed because i mean you said you just kind of always grew up around it right I, I was the same way but it was like you know I, I remember seeing the album cover for um and when i say album my folks didn't give a fuck about vinyl they i, they, I always grew up around cds or tapes at the very earliest right so but they you know they had the original version of uh, escape on cd and maybe some of the other records so it was always around but i like you know and then i just it's what the difference of being raised around it and then like just, you know, going back to it on your own and really going, okay, I'm going to form my own perception on this stuff. And that's kind of, because the, the singles are everywhere. And I've always liked the singles. And I was like, yeah, Journey's a good band. But this is the first time I've really gone in with my own avenue of really seeking out the, the albums on their own merit, you know? So this is this was an enlightening list to me as well. I was surprised about how things turned out. I <laughs> I learned a lot, you know? Yeah, my parents didn't have a lot of records either. Yeah. I mean, my sisters had some, but not a whole lot. It's not like they were... I mean, we had, like, a lot of, fu- like, eight tracks and fucking cassette tapes. I mean, we had fucking cassette tapes for days. Like, yeah. we all had a bunch of them. But yeah, never really any vinyl. I think it was just... They were definitely part of that whole group of people that it seemed like they just did stop giving a fuck as soon as there was a new format right now. Sure enough, all these people going, fuck, I should have held on to that vinyl, you know, because it's such a big deal now. But, like, you know, it's just like I don't see CDs coming back in a huge way, but all these people getting rid of their, their CDs just because they don't like having physical stuff around, you know, I could never do that. But Oh, man, I remember when I chucked all my CDs, like literally walked over and threw them in the trash. Yeah, that's that's. Most I was like, sweet, I don't, need, I don't have to fucking take up so much room now. Yeah. I mean, most of them are fucking burned or whatever. Yeah. Then again, By in a then. world where fucking tapes... Cassette tapes of all things can come back as hard as they are. Dude, any anything's possible, I guess, right? I so over it. Yeah. On that note, your number three. Excuse me, four. 
So this is the one that really fucking snuck up on me. We're probably going to have to listen to this one unless just fucking out of some fucking happenstance it's in your list also. And you, I'll be surprised if it is. This is the big surpriser because it's not like a huge hit, I guess. I don't know. I didn't look to see if it was actually released as a single. You want to talk about airy as fuck, kind of swirly fucking hypnotic droning like a fucking dude you don't I, I couldn't believe it when I heard this fucking song that it was Journey I was like what the fuck yeah did you have a lot of those where you're like oh this is Journey I've always heard I didn't know it was them you know? <clears throat> so like, this is the thing every once in a while man you hear a fucking song and it's almost like you know you've never heard the song before but for some reason it's like an old friend that just walks out of nowhere and just gives you a hug you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just comfortable. Yeah, I can. And you it's just, comforting, yeah. And you just, it's like you've never spent any time apart from that person or whatever, right? This is that kind of song. It's it's one of these songs, and I'll, I'll, I'll play it for you, and I'll tell you what it reminds me of after we listen to it. But there's a specific fucking thing and a specific song that it reminds me of, actually. We're going to fucking play it real quick. Hold that thought. Man. Dude, is that sick as fuck or what? The song's uh, called Daydream. Stop this shit right now. Go listen to it. I'm telling you. What album is that on? It's off of Evolution. It's nothing like any fucking Journey song you've ever fucking heard. Two things come to mind when I... Three things come to mind when I listen to it. One, Smashing Pumpkins Gish. Okay, all I, right. There's just something about the sound. Now, aside from Gish, especially the song Drown. Off single soundtrack. Yeah. There's something about the bass line and how it just, it's just, I don't know. The way it just drones. It reminds me of fucking Drowned by Smashing Pumpkins. Also, the vocals, the way he fucking gets like, he's like, "Ah," and then all of a sudden he gets a little more powerful. Almost reminds me of something Candlebox would do. Now, granted, the acoustic guitar helps that. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of some fucking, you know, some fucking Candlebox shit. Also really reminds me of Mother Love Bone type shit. Like, it's the best fucking grunge song that, it was, that was written that. before grunge. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, fuck, dude. And I mean, I'm telling you, this song came out of nowhere, hit me like a ton of fucking bricks, hmm. but it was a ton of fucking pillows. <laughs> Which would still be pretty Because it was warm gnarly. and cozy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Comfortable death. Oh, dude, um, it was awesome. I, I, I couldn't fucking believe it. Like, I heard the fucking song and immediately... Like, I, I was just listening through Evolution. I'm like, I don't think I've ever heard much of this album, you know? And I was just like, oh, I was just kind of going through it. And I was just like, God damn it. What is this fucking song? And I took it, threw it in the fucking top playlist, you know, where I have my, you know, 15 or whatever. And then I whittle it down. Mm-hmm. And every fucking time, dude, is like, yep, that's fucking staying. Yep, mm-hmm. that's fucking staying. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, I don't know how I've never fucking heard that song before. Yeah, me neither. Well, so trying to condense this whole discography down in, in a matter of a couple of weeks was pretty gnarly, so maybe I didn't let it air out enough, but, like, that's the vibe I got for that whole album. That's why a lot of, I don't think anything off of it made my list. No, actually, it didn't. Um, sounds awesome. So you, you say, what does that remind you of? So I definitely see what you're saying with Gish. The ver- the choruses? No, the verses reminded me of... Um, us and Them by Pink Floyd. I was going to say, there's another the song. Have you ever heard Fearless by Pink Floyd? Maybe. That's another one. Yeah. But that, so you get yeah. the overall vibe, yeah. Yeah. That's it, the same vibe. Yeah. And the choruses reminded me of, um, what's that fucking Bon Jovi song? Wanted Dead or Alive? Or Just Dead <laughs> oh, or Alive? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You catch what I'm saying? Maybe because of that yeah. twangy guitar thing. And I like the little fucking guitar. Yeah. 
people that yeah. Kimi sings along with the guitar, like again, they do that a lot, and it sounds fucking yeah. great. Dude. Uh, like, it sounded oh, awesome. I guess I'll, maybe I'll have to give that one another spin. Oh man, I fucking turned my fucking car up like louder than normal. <laughs> Solid and we're just cruising up fucking Melrose, just going, fuck yeah, dude, this shit is fucking nice. I dig so it. fucking comfortable. What is your number four? So I thought for sure I wasn't going to have any singles on here because, like, maybe I just thought I'd be too, you know, I just heard this shit so much that, like, something else would stick out to me. Turns out there's a couple, one of which is any way you want it. That's the way you need it. Any way you want it. Number four. Fucking, it, just listening to it back, dude, it's just, maybe it, it is because it is so evocative of, like, you know, it's the end of Caddyshack. <laughs> True. You know? And the end of, and then and the episode of The Simpsons that Ruddy Dangerfield's on, it ends the same way, where they're just partying, out and, and the same fucking song plays, and even Marge is like, where's this music coming from? <laughs> like, it's just a it's just a fun ass song, dude, and it's got the riffs, it's got the vocals, it's just got everything. Great solo. Yeah, great solo. Yeah, great fucking solo, man. It's, it's it's a full package. It's fucking almost like the definition of hard rock. Yeah. So so mm, okay. Because it sounds newer than classic rock. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not quite hair metal yet. Yeah. It's it's, it's the, the transitional phase. Fucking yeah. perfect hard rock song. Yeah. I, I I have. What I thought was an observation, but let's maybe save it to the end because I don't actually know how. Have you ever heard? Um, somebody redid it. I cannot remember the name of it. I was trying they to remember. Kind of like a fucking screamo. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about because I was trying so to. So the, think of it so the, the guitar time. player fucking was on the Roadrunner United. Census fail. They're the ones that redo it. Yes. Right. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Dude, like, uh, pretty good. Pretty good version of it. I think it's yeah. them, right? Maybe I'm trying to find it right now. See the them rise against. Yeah, either I I remember that like it is a warp tour ass band, right? Let's see. Yeah, they did a really good cover of it. Son of a bitch. Either way, yeah, it was that it was that whole area. Yeah, but yeah, right, that yeah. was a sick ass cover. I like Rise Against. I like Senses Fail too. So perfect. It's just an awesome ass rock song, dude. There's a reason it's been used for so much shit. It's got to have been used in commercials, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, like it's just it's awesome. It's it's so revered for a reason. It's it's perfect for what it is you know i don't know what else to say about it other than it's just an awesome song it's a good it's a feel-good song man oh yeah man it's it, fucking been one of my i mean it's a big song of theirs for a reason it's one of their hits for yeah. a fucking reason man it's a good fucking jam yeah Friday dangerfield r.i.p man <laughs> rest in power fucking hey uh oh, number man. three my number three is part two of your number five anytime I fucking love this song, dude. From the fucking harmonies right off the fucking start. You know, and they start off with the ooh, like, oh, yeah. it's so fucking good. I think this was I my do, original This one is the one where I really love the way, like, it transitions from his voice to Steve Perry's in this weird little fucking break thing that's not really a bridge. It's just, like, this weird little fucking break, dude, where it's yeah. just, like, everything changes. And Steve Perry sings for, like, four bars, four six bars something like that yeah and then all of a sudden he just he's just like okay i'm done you know mm -hmm. you know and then the fucking down and down 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 the shit at the end that neil sean's playing you know fucking the main riff you know the fucking like cool little fucking licks in it like that man like 
And it sounds, to me, this one sounds like them doing classic rock. But like, it's like a band that's like too good to play classic rock. Like they're better musicians than playing simple classic rock. So to me, it's like this is what it sounds like when a band that's like super fucking skilled plays something very easy. There's little things in there. Uh, ultimately, it's the same thing. But there's little fucking things in there. Like, you listen to the fucking vocal harmonies, man. They're fucking great, dude. And I mean, it's like a fucking three, four part harmony, dude. Like, it's crazy. But I mean, again, all of them fucking sing. All of them help sing. And again, those little guitar licks, the sound on it, it sounds better than a normal classic rock sound. And again, they had money behind them. And they probably, you know, they, they, they're given that they have the, you know, um, the jazz background, probably a higher skill level than some fucking. Some of the just regular blues guys, not trying to diss on those guys at all, but a lot of those guys really didn't care how it sounded. It was more about how it felt. And these guys cared about how it sounded, clearly. And it just sounds a little bit fucking better, a little bit fucking different. And it's almost like Journey's take on what classic rock is, mm -hmm. rather than their take on you know the jazz fusion hard rock thing. Absolutely. You know? So it was yeah. a little bit different. Yeah. My number three is... Okay, this is gonna fucking what is it? La Do Da off of <laughs> off of Infinity. Dude, I was wondering if you were gonna put this on. Yeah, man, it's just something about like the interplay again between the guitars and the vocals. But then there's something about the rhythm too, because it keeps going, and then this is another one that's like blatant, almost like classic rock. Yeah, man, it's it's because they have those jams too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like lights and or not so much lights. That sounds a little bit different, but like Wheel in the Sky. Yes. Yeah. You know that one, like the... Like, it's almost like an Eagles country type lick. But again, it's they're super good at what they do, so it sounds like their take on it. And this is the same fucking way. Dude, that's crazy. I'm, this is one I thought I was wondering. When, when, when last night you said you had, like, the you were having a hard time whittling it down, this is one that I thought, like, would be in your list. So, so... Right now, for your list, the only one that has really surprised me is feeling that way. Because I thought for sure any way you want it would be somewhere in your list just because, like, it's a fun fucking hard rock jam. Yeah. And, like, this one, mm. I was like, I'm curious if he's going to do it, but I don't know if he's going to. Like, I don't think I've ever heard. I don't remember hearing this fucking song. Or I didn't remember hearing this song. Until I was kind of sitting here doing dishes and fucking, I was like, you know what? I'm going to fucking just play some fucking Journey. You know, I don't listen to much music. I can't, I don't have headphones at the gym, so I can't really listen to much while I'm at the gym. I don't go as regularly as I would like. So while I'm doing dishes, Deja's watching her TV show, and I thought, well, I could listen to this softly through the speakers. Journey's probably an easy band to listen to through phone speakers. Yeah. And I heard this song, and I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I could totally forgot about this song. Uh, it's, it's a definitive 70s-ass rock song, man. In the best way possible. Best way. Which album was it? It's in, Infinity. It's off Infinity also, I think huh? it's track three or something. Is it? I thought it was farther back. Yeah, I think it's... I think it it's, could be. Yeah, it's early on in the album, I believe. Because I think it was that one-two succession of Feeling That Way and this. I think that really got me. Let's see. Uh, well, there's Feeling four. That it's Way four. and then Anytime and yeah, then this one. Yeah. So that whole fucking first four run of songs, dude. 
Like, yeah, because what's the first song on that album? It's Lights. It's Lights, yeah. What an opener. I, I yeah. do not think of that as an opening so song. So that's a big like, song for like a lot of San Francisco people, at least back then. Yeah. Because, you know, he is talking about the city by the bay and all that stuff. So. And I always heard some, I don't know how true or not this is, but apparently like Steve Perry originally wanted to say L.A., well, like, he's not from San Francisco. Yeah, but I didn't. Like, think he's he not was, from the Bay Area. Yeah, but I didn't think he was from Bay or L.A. either. I always just heard that because a, a dude I used to work with that was from L.A. would always fucking make a big deal out of that whenever it was on the radio and sing it that way. But it said he was from fucking Fresno or something. Okay, Hanford. Where's Hanford, California? Kings County. It's not San Francisco, but it's not fucking L.A. Whatever. Middle of nowhere. Yeah. Dude. Oh my god. Dude. <laughs> Most people do not think of Kings County when they think of San Francisco, man. That is. <sighs> well, it's San Joaquin Valley. Yeah. You know, I mean. It is what it is. What it is. Um. Definitely not. <laughs> not that close to the bay. I mean, actually, you know what's weird is if you look at it on a map, dude. I mean, it's King County. It's like, I mean, it's kind of right between. Yeah. I guess, San Francisco and Los Angeles. Yeah, I guess technically it's closer to L.A. But but like, I guess for him, maybe, I don't know, maybe it just made sense to say L.A., but, like, for them, I mean, especially being the Golden Gate rhythm section and whatnot, like, yeah. they're probably like, hey, you know, like, let's, you know, city by the bay, city called L.A. Mm-hmm. You could go either way with that one, so yeah, you no could doubt. go either way. Yeah. I might just eat some, hey, what do you say? Yeah. <laughs> Rest in peace. <laughs> Fucking. Chubbs? Yeah, I uh R. I. P. D. I was, Chubbs, I was just saying we're doing? I thought I was saying all right, I was just gonna say R.I.P.D. fucking that era of Adam Sandler's oh. career, but yeah, that works too. <laughs> Chubbs is kinda emblematic of that era. Yeah, he for was sure. in, his ghost was in Little Nicky. Right. It's all in the hips. Fucking little Nicky. Yeah, man. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Rough patches all around. Hashtag puke and mouth. Yep. Uh let's see, your number two. Number two, Journey's hardest song. We're gonna go hard with Journey. Nice. No, just kidding, man. But it is their hardest fucking song, dude. Separate ways. Parentheses. Can we save that for worlds later? Apart. Oh wait, is it the other way around? Is it worlds apart separate ways? No, it's separate, separate ways, ways, worlds apart. Parentheses, parentheses worlds, worlds apart. apart, yeah. For yeah. dramatic effect. Yeah, if you don't mind, I'd actually like to save that for later. From Tron Legacy. So number two for you, we will talk about that in a minute. And I'll give you my take on it. Sweet. Number two for you. Number two for me. Keep on running. Also off escape. That's what a the straight fuck? fucking rocker, dude. I, you know, and I saw, and I've been pissed off because I've been trying to search this because I saw somebody else covered it. And I was like, that makes all the fucking sense in the world. And now I can't figure out who it is. And I don't remember. So that Hold is. On. Hold yeah. that thought. Wait. It's not on infinity. Did I say infinity? I meant escape. Escape is such a good album. Yeah, man. Fuck. It's there's a reason. It's a re- there's a reason it sold nine million copies. So the live version. Album. That's what it said. I it can't be. It, that sounds right, like on, a studio s. <laughs> We're gonna check if it's live or not. I wonder. I'm wondering if they put live there it's and it's mislabeled. like studio live yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. check it out. Yeah. Liars. Yep. Somebody Liars. fucked up. Lies. Yep. yep yeah. Yep, someone yep, definitely yep. messed up. That's not a fucking live version. Yep. We just listened to the actual live version from yep. Live in Houston 1981, mm-hmm. the Escape Tour. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's yeah. a rocker, dude. Oh Punchy yeah, as definitely. fuck. It's got a cool little off-time thing with the uh, rhythms going there, like it's energetic, like dude, fucking very peppy. Yeah, very dude, peppy. Absolutely, and um, 
And I figured out who it was. It was Anthrax. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah that definitely that, makes sense. Yeah. For sure. Well, you know what's weird, too, is like just looking at it on that live album, they do it right before it goes from that into a Neil Sean guitar solo, which makes absolute fucking sense also. Because hmm. it's definitely one of their more guitar, uh, guitar-driven songs, for sure. Yeah, most definitely. It's just... That's an awesome. I got no beef with it. I'm yeah. surprised it was high, high on your list, given all their fucking hit songs. But like yeah. I said, like you were saying, it's, it's you know what it was when I was really whittling it down. It's like what what do I what's what's gut reaction most like instinctive to me? What's what's the one I really react to the most at the end of the day? You know what I mean? Like and that. Well, also it's there. like, do you only like the hit songs because that's what you're used to hearing, or do you really fucking like them? Exactly. Vice versa, is that why you're not picking them? Is because you've heard them so much mm-hmm. that you're kind of sick of them. So, yeah. the hits for a lot of bands, or what people, or what, not even. It, 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 I mean, we say hits, but I mean some bands don't have actual quote unquote hits, but they're bigger songs, like they're quintessentials. You know, sometimes, man, like, you have to figure it out. Like, do I really fucking love this song, or have I just heard it a bunch? Do I hate this song, or have I just heard it too much? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I struggled with that a little bit. Some of these more notable ones were more prominent on here than I thought. Again, to be continued. Fucking A. So I might as well copy your number two, my number two, into your number one. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel that's where you're going. I said, yes, yes. <laughs> you might be onto something good, sir. <laughs> uh, all right, man. You said my number one before, mm-hmm. and there was a reason I fucking stayed quiet. You are not wrong, sir. It is a fucking summer vibe for me. It reminds me of going to Rigby Lake. It reminds me of going to fucking Little League. It reminds me of fucking... It reminds me of, like, dusk. I know we don't use that word much anymore, but that's what it is. Right before fucking sunset... When I'd have Little League games or right before fucking sunset when it was like you're at the Rigby, you know, you're at the fucking Rigby Lake, man. And fucking and even later, even later, even after like long after fucking Little League and all that shit. But like it reminds me of like even when it was, um, you know, dusk time and people are getting off work and people are done with their day and we're all kind of getting ready to go to the party. You know, we're going to go to a keg at summertime. We're going to go up in the mountains. We're going to drink beer and fucking get crazy. Like that's what it reminds me of. It's fucking stone in love. It's been my favorite journey song for a long time. It also oddly enough reminds me of my sister, Angie and her fucking boyfriend at the time. I'll bleep that out. Her boyfriend at the time, which oddly enough, so does my number two. This this band reminds me a lot. Uh, but no, it reminds me of she had this little fucking. I think she drove my dad's like yellow truck. It's like a little yellow Datsun with a fucking camper shell on the back. I don't know if the camper shell was still on at the time. And then she had this fucking gnarly like green fucking old ass. I don't even know what kind of truck it was. It was green with a white stripe down it. It was old as fuck, kind of chunky looking. Hmm. And it was like she, we, she called it Pooter. And it had, like, those gnarly fucking old man stick shifts and shit. Like, and somehow she drove it everywhere. I don't know how. Practice makes perfect. But, I mean, it reminds me of these fucking two kids. She used to hang out with their fucking older sister, with their older sister. And I hung out with these two kids. And these fucking dudes were crazy. We'll just say they're the Morgans. They were nuts, dude. Fucking nuts. Crazy Morgans. And it was, you know, hey, can you take us to the lake? Can you take us to the lake? 
I mean, it was, that's what summer was for me. And like, this song is just that, like, listen to the song. And it's, I, I mean, they probably didn't listen to it as much as I remember. It's just for some reason, like, that's when I hear the song, that's the memory I fucking have. And yeah, you said like, you know, dude's playing softball or whatever. Yeah. yeah, dude, fucking little league, man, sitting out in fucking center field. And the way the fields were set up, mm-hmm. like if it was a big hitter, like, I mean, you know, like we had big hitters, but back then, you know, when you're all little, it's like, oh, you know, so-and-so, oh, Travis is a big hitter. Like everybody's got to back up. You yeah. know, your coach is like, back up, back up. Yeah, yeah. We didn't have home run walls and shit. So it was like, back up, back up. And then you're backing up. And the other kid on the other field's backing up, and it's like your buddy from fucking school. And so, like, hey. you're, yeah, you're kind of sitting there like, hey, what's up, man? Like, you know, like, um, you know, you, you're on the bench, you're catching the other game, mm-hmm. you know, and then we got the pitching machine and all that shit. Like, oh, fuck, man. It was good days. Smell, it smells in the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remind me of those fucking days. For sure. And there's quite a few songs. I mean, there's a few songs that remind me of those days. This is massively one of them. There's one other song that we'll get to eventually, but there's one other song that reminds me of Little League more than this, but not much. Just a little bit more than this one. Mm-hmm. Those were fucking fun days, man. Okay. I mean, I know everybody fucking likes to remember when we were little and we didn't have bills. <laughs> yeah, 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 well, yeah. But you know what? I fu- it's, it's not the bills. It's not the stress or anything. What I miss was like how big of a deal everything was. Yeah, for sure. You know, like, I remember, you know, fuck, man, getting ready for a game and just, you're nervous, but you're excited, too. And, and, you know, it's just like, fuck, man, like, oh, we're playing so-and-so, and and they've got so-and-so, and, and, oh, they got these guys and this guy and this guy, and, man, it's going to be, like, I'm going to have a good game tonight. Like, it's going to be awesome. We're going to go get ice cream afterwards. Like, you know, I mean, it was such a huge thing, especially back then, especially in that town. There was not much else to do. Mm -hmm. So a lot of us, we really looked forward to fucking you know, little like baseball season. And it, it was such a fucking huge deal for me as a kid, you know, and you know, that's the other thing I got to go see my friends, you know, and, and that's why I always wanted to go to the lake was I was hoping, you know, like one of my friends would be out there. We lived way out of town, like not way out, but three miles out of town. A lot of my friends lived farther than that out of town. Like it was a very small town. We all lived in the country. It was a long way to ride your bike, to go to your buddy's house, man. Like, so you for didn't, sure. You know, you didn't really, it was, it was weird. You had your school friends, but then you had your summer friends. Does yeah. that make sense? Like, no, absolutely. Where it's like. Growing up in Ramona, I oh, know yeah, exactly you, yeah, what the see, fuck you're talking about. See, you did the same about. thing. Yeah. Like, it's, you just had friends that were too far away yeah. to, like, see them often in the summertime. So, mm-hmm. given that we had the lake there, anytime I could get out there. And eventually, I got old enough to where I was just ride my, I'd ride my bike out the lake every day. You know, and a bunch of us would meet up out there and. And, and have fun or whatever. I mean, we would hang out at the lake all fucking day. That was back also. Economy was different too, man. Yeah. Kids back then, dude, like the kids like my age and a little bit older and whatnot, like well, they didn't have to work. The only kids that had to work was because their dad owned a farm or like, um, you know, their parents were like really fucking, you know, broke and they, and they had to fucking help out. But that was pretty few and far between, man. A lot of, you know, as the years went by, I remember like, you know, we'd, cruise out to Rigby Lake in the summertime. Like, you know, we're out of high school and whatnot. We cruise out there in the summertime and we just start noticing year after year, less and less cars out there during the day. Hmm. And I used to, it used to trip me out. I was like, is the place just not cool or what? Like, and then I started thinking about it. I was like, oh wait, and like all these kids are at work. They mm-hmm. all have jobs now. Yeah, yeah. You know, as soon as you're fucking 15 years old, you know, you're fucking working, dude. Like, and it's, it just got a little bit rough and I feel like it kind of took a lot of people's summers away. Yeah. You know, like we had legit summer breaks where you didn't do shit. 
<laughs> you know? yep. Chores yep. around the house was about it, man. Like, yep. you didn't do a fucking thing, dude. And it was so fucking great. You know, I'm not trying to rub it in any fucking buddy's, any young buck's face or anything. <laughs> I'm not trying to do that. Hey, you fuckers got the good video game, so fuck off. Yeah, it's just, yeah. You know, For yeah. sure. And you got streaming literally anytime you yep. want. Fucking movies, TV, and fucking music. So and fuck internet you. porn easily <laughs> internet available. Internet porn too. Yeah. yeah. Don't fuck. make us get out with the Summertime old man stories, Summertime was the time man. we had to go fucking looking at the dumpsters for yep. fucking porn, man. That was dumpster dive season. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a season for it, but whatever. We did it. <laughs> stories for another time. Dude, fucking porn hunting? Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> Stupid city. Yep. On that note, are we at that point? We got to get to it, man, because I didn't get to talk about it. Yep. You didn't get to talk about it, but wait! If you can listen to Strokin' without laughing... That's the challenge. <laughs> Holy That's shit, dude. Good, oh, All right, wow. man. Are we... <laughs> Let's do it. Let's, let's get to it. You're number one. My, my number, number one. two. Yep. You already said it. Fucking separate ways. Parentheses. Worlds apart. Fucking epic. Oh, dude. Like... So good. And it's not even on the big album. But apparently it's their very closely second album. Fuck, man. How do you start off with this thing? The fucking keys are very prominent in a big way, and I think just... Yeah, that's some of my fucking favorite keyboard sound. I even fucking made a rap song out of this shit, dude. Like, I heard, like, just, like, with the keyboard, I was like, I have to make something out of that. Like, it's just too fucking good. Mm-hmm. Everybody's fucking heard it. You've heard it in fucking Tron Legacy. It's the only licensed song in the fucking thing, as far as I remember. Maybe something in the credits, I don't know. But god damn it, dude. This song is so fucking good. I remember when this album came out, man. So back to my my sister's boyfriend. He had... I went to his house one time. Just gonna fucking hang out at his place. And this old, like, just country house, man. Like, I just remember, like, dirt driveway, that sort of thing. He gave me some graph paper, and he showed me how to fucking draw, like, a couple logos and whatnot. And so I was drawing fucking logos. Just kind of, like, all day, whatever. And he had Journey Frontiers sitting there, and I... You know, and it's got those fucking perspective points that are coming down into that fucking out from the edges of the J and the Y, and then it comes down into that point at the bottom, like a triangle, whatever. I remember drawing that on this graph paper, and I remember being so fucking stoked because I'd never seen graph paper before, and I'm like, holy really? shit, you could draw everything perfect. It's, yeah. got, it's like fucking rulers and shit. Like, so two albums that fucking he kind of introduced me to, and that really introduced me to because one, I I knew of the song, one of the songs, I just didn't know the album. And so I ended up drawing it, like trying to draw the whole album cover that day. Um, I actually drew tr- drew both album covers, I'm pretty sure, that day. I mean, granted, they might not have been that great, but it was Journey Frontiers and fucking Def Leppard Pyromania. And so I think they came out around the same time. How close were they? So. It was 1983, though. 83 is Frontiers, Pyromania. 83 is Pyromania, it's or is got... it 82? Let's see. I thought it was 83. It was also 83, so they would have been like two weeks, within two weeks of each other. Pyromania, January 20th, 1983. Uh, Frontiers, February 1st. So right. like a week and a half, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it was, I just remember that, dude. And like, I remember this whole album was, so to me, this is the big album. Mm-hmm. Escape was a little bit, again, I listened to Escape all the fucking time, but that was more of like, this is the one that I know all the fucking songs. Mm-hmm. And it's just because it's the one that I listen to like 
it was it sounds weird but to me it was the heavier album clearly it's not i don't think it is now like it has a lot of those mellower fucking songs on it. So well, yeah, but the heavier parts. For I lack don't of better know definition. what I was thinking other than other than this song, which is probably their heaviest song. Mm-hmm. It's got the most raunchiest guitar on it. Yeah, but oddly enough, it's also got like probably the heaviest keyboard on it too. This is also true. But yeah, I mean, they, like the second track is "Sender My Love." Like, what the fuck? You yeah. know, Faithfully's on this one. Only the young ask the lonely, which. There's another good jam, Ask the Lonely. But, yeah, I mean, this this was like, when this song came out, it was, it, it, when this album came out, when the song, especially, because the keyboard, the way the keyboard sounded and stuff, it sounded so much newer than anything else that they did. It, it sounded newer than a lot of things. You know, it, it wasn't as bluesy, that's for sure. This album yeah. was kind of like, definitely not as bluesy as some of the other ones. Far um, more 80s than yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah, they were like deep into the fucking hard rock thing at this point. Like, and I mean, the fucking lyrics, dude, like, if you've ever been in love with someone and fucking you, I guess if you just had a hard time getting over somebody, but you still fucking wanted them to do good. <laughs> it's I mean, you trying to be reasonable and adult like about the whole thing, yeah. right? <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Like, I mean, the lyrics in it are fucking great. Steve's vocals are just fucking amazing on this song. I mean, they're amazing on every fucking song, but Jesus, this one is just like, oh, dude, it's so fucking good, man. Nice fucking fist pumper, too. Yeah, dude. Like, Even that, the key part, in the, it's, it's the bridge or the end, you know, it's all super high. It sounds all whistly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude, like, it's quintessential. It's, it's, oh, it's so fucking killer. It's an overcoming song, maybe, right? Is it? I, well, I mean, eventually, you, I always wondered if he was just being like this sneaky douche that was like, I know it didn't work out with you and your boyfriend, but just because we boned one time, like fucking, and I'm, I still love you. Yeah. Just know that like if any other, any time, ooh, any time that you want me. Yeah. It's all connected. Yeah. yeah. At any time, you know, if, you know, true love will not desert you, you know, I still love you even though we touched and went our separate ways. Yeah. You trying to you trying to be hopeful maybe then, break these chains that bind you and whatnot and like you know. Well, there's that there's, there's there's that part of it where it's like I'm gonna root you on mm-hmm. from afar, but that's why I'm saying that sneaky douchebag that's like fuck it. Hey, I'm gonna root for you from afar. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've never thought about it now. But if but, you yeah. ever want to get down again, <clears throat> I'm right here. Holler at you because I still love you. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I'm not saying that's hey. I'm not saying that's what it is. There's there's ways I'm to interpret it. I'm just saying that's yeah. kind of one of the interpretations I had of probably several. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it is kind of that thing. I always kind of took it as a thing of like you know, it's I'm not you know I might not still be romantically in love with you, but I got love for you. Like mm-hmm. if you know, because there's that saying like if you ever really loved somebody, you'll always love them. You know, even if you're not with them, there'll always be love there. If you ever really fucking love them. I don't know if I fully agree with that, but I mean, I agree with it to some degree. So it's a principle, but you know that, yeah, I mean, you kind of see how it fucking goes with that one, man. But like, oh man, just for me, it's the music. And I mean, honestly, dude, like when I saw it in Tron Legacy, I mean, I couldn't think of a more perfect song just because it came out relatively close to when the first Tron movie came out and it still works for Tron now. And it has kind of like a fucking... I don't want to say techno-y type vibe compared to the rest of that, some of that soundtrack with Daft Punk, but yeah. 
But it worked really well because it was the retro version of that because of that keyboard sound. Yeah, it was the complimentary kind of companion piece. It almost sounds cyber-ish. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I thought, yeah. Oh, you know what I just realized it reminds me of is Subdivisions by Rush. Too nice, yeah. Oh, yeah. Huh. Same kind of, a little bit, same kind of a keyboard sound. I mean, yeah, man. Subdivision's a little more subdued. Yeah. But, yeah, it's the same kind of keyboard sound. I, I, at that particular time, whatever keyboard they used, whatever setting it was, that was a sound that I really enjoyed. Like, I, I really like that fucking sound. It's got a little bit of an edge to it, man. It yeah. fucking sounds really fucking cool. They're trying to replicate and, it today. And now, it just sounds so 80s to me that it works with almost anything. And I'm not really like an 80s retro dude. But, I mean, I do like, I mean, of course, I fucking grew up in that time. Like, whatever. So, now I finally get to see your fucking list. I was, I mean, this was one that I was like, I thought was going to be either your number two or your number one. I'm actually surprised that Don't Stop Believing is nowhere on your list. Me too. Believe it or not. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That one, that's probably the biggest surprise to me. Actually, you know, I'm... I was kind of wondering, I was kind of curious to see if you were going to go the bluesy route and take like love and touch and squeeze in and fucking lights and fucking uh, wheel in the sky and that sort of thing. Definitely I was, I was like, sky, you yeah. could either go that way or you're going to go this way with all like the hard rock, you yeah. know, the fucking rocking tunes. Yeah, that, that, that <laughs> seems to be the way I gravitated. It's all the, all the more ballady bluesy stuff that I did have was in my original honorable mentions and got trimmed down. But that's the thing, man. Like, there's so much that this band has to offer. You know, it's you can find whatever you're looking for, right? So that's the thing. Yeah, mine was a little more kind of single-minded on as far as that goes, but yours was a little more reflective of their discography overall where it was kind of taken from little bits of everything, right? Well, I mean... Well, yeah, because, I mean, I guess I'm looking at my list, and I'm like, you know, you do have the two, two really, like, classic rock-sounding ones, you have the trippy fucking thing from the earlier stuff, even though it is just off evolution. But that was still like that same. It was, that's more. Cl- that's closer to the old style than it was the newer, like the the newer Steve Para. Steve Para. <laughs> Steve Para. You know, and then the big hit, you know, which is kind of like the in between. I mean, it's a little bit classic rock, but it's also a little bit like hard rock, heavy metal ish, and you know, separate ways. You know, was, was the modern sounding one you know so yeah i mean i guess it's a little bit uh, a little bit more spread out but i think probably most of mine just has more to do with like a little more memory stuff yeah well especially number one and number two i mean Mm -hmm. for sure those two is just like jesus man i I can't even i can't even tell you how many times i've heard separate ways dude because i mean that was like when that was at the height of like like i said you know stone and love reminds me going to the lake dude the year that we were doing that a lot was 1983. There you go. You know, I mean, I was nine years old. Yeah. Like, and and I mean, separate ways was the jam. You know, it was everybody played that shit. Not just my sister. Yeah. Like you would, you'd hear you go, you pull up to a gas station, you hear somebody fucking blaring it in their fucking car stereo. So, it was it was a big fucking, it was a big hit in Idaho. I guess. I don't know how it did on charts or whatever. I think it's like one of their second biggest songs though, isn't it? Second uh, or third? Separate, I think it's two, yeah. You well, want, okay, you, do we want to get into that? Yeah, I you have... want to run down the fucking, run down the Spotify list and see uh, what, how wrong everybody is or what? Yeah, yeah, I would actually <laughs> not disagree with these guys too much. I uh, oh, You can't go wrong with this one. Yeah, it's number fucking, the 10th the biggest song on here, Stone in Love, 16 mil. 
God damn, 16 million? 16 mil, and that's the 10th. Uh, Jesus right after Christ. that, you have, uh, let's see, Who's Crying Now? Good choice, 24 nice. mil. Uh, after that, you got Love and Touch and Squeeze and 24 mil, but there's more. Uh, after that, you got Lights, 35, not bad. Will in the Sky, 45. It's cohesive. And then from there on, you got Separate Ways, Worlds Apart. Oh, it's not number two. Never mind. It's five, but that's still 78 mil, so good on them. Well, it's the fifth? Yeah. Wow. I thought it was two. Was 78 million? Yeah. Faithfully, 96 million. Oh, I could definitely see that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, here, here, I mean, that's yeah. like a perfect like prom jam, uh, dude. Yeah. Like, to follow that up, Open Arms, 81 mil. An even promer yeah. song. Now here's, here's, so, here's where you're just like, yeah. Any way you want it. It's going to be 104 mil this week because it's right just before that. Or uh, 140, I should say. And then, of course, the anthem. Biggest song of the 20th century as downloaded by iTunes and pretty goddamn up there. As I gotta far hear stuff the now. number on this one. Don't stop believing. 710 Holy million fuck, fucking dude. streams, dude. For a fucking band that features guitars. Yes. Exactly. Like, that's a pretty big deal yep. to me. I mean, I it's uh, that's those numbers are pretty interesting to me because they are an older band. Yeah. That they're being streamed that much. It's it's a now, granted, they're probably band. in like every fucking classic rock playlist. You know, they're probably in a shitload of playlists. But still, like that's just really surprising to me. Hey, I'm glad to hear that people are still fucking rocking this shit on the daily. Yeah, you know that's fuck a playlist yeah. fucking song right there for oh, sure. Oh fuck yeah, dude. I mean, that's probably on every, like how many people's gym list, you know, how many gym playlists have Don't Stop Believing on it, man? Like I fuck, I bet millions of them. Most definitely. You know, it's a good it's a good workout jam, dude, like for sure. Especially for the people that don't like the heavier side of things, you yeah. know? But they still like a little bit of edge. Yeah, it's a it's a good middle ground. Oh yeah, dude. So there you have it, our episode on the American Queen. Yeah. Fucking journey, dude. Let dude. us know what all your favorite journey <laughs> shit is. This was a great one. Uh fuck yeah, dude. We're being more active on Twitter, so yeah. fucking look out for that sort of thing and Metalist let pod. us fucking know. Hit us up. Fucking uh, everything else is Metalist Podcast. So now Jason's more active on Twitter. Everybody, you want to give everybody your handle? Oh, I mean, I'm mostly active from ours, so Metalist Pod. But I mean, if you want to hit mine up, yeah, I mean, you can see it on our bio too. I put it on there. It's Jason Ten Smith. Mm-hmm. So Jason, the number ten, and then Smith. I'm Yours. at Yes It Is I David everywhere. He's also on Instagram at Jason Fitness. Hit us up. I'd like to think we're friendly enough. People. Hell yeah, man! Like now, like I said, now we're on fucking. You know, I'm being more active with fucking Twitter. Where I'm trying to get different content there than I do on Instagram. The Facebook one, I'm still trying to figure out what works there. But, yeah, I mean, is it hard to search stuff on, like, business pages on Facebook? Seems like you it know? is. Yeah, it seems like it is. I don't know if people still search it. But, I mean, if you do, fucking, you know, you can put a post on our fucking thing. Or you can, I don't know if you can tag fucking Metalist or whatever. Share a fucking episode to Facebook, though. Fuck, yeah, that would help. Yes, Share an episode you. anywhere. That would definitely fucking help. Thanks for joining us as always, peoples. We hope to see you again soon. Until then, eat your veggies. Don't stop believing. (laughs) See ya.